Tenpence Arcade Podcast is sponsored by Retro Games Party. Get out of emulation and into the arcade with Retro Games Party. Arcade game hire for public events and private parties. With three regular community-led meetings throughout the year, there ain't no party like a Retro Games Party. Visit their website at www.retrogamesparty.co.uk and get involved. The Tenpence Arcade Podcast is a proud member of the Retro Junkies Network and Throwback Network. Hello, I'm Victor Marland, and I've proudly been waiting 10p since 1980, and this man is Sean Holly. Hello, how you doing, Vic? I'm right, and you've been defending the galaxy since 1978. I have, shooting space invaders, in fact, right in fierce, yep. And we are the Tenpence Arcade Podcast, and this time we've been playing Marching Maze, uh, which we'll review and compare scores on later on. Yes, we will. As we normally do, let's talk about what we've been up to since the last podcast two weeks ago. And before we get on to all that, um, I'm just going to do this. We have a small competition for the listeners out there. Everyone knows by now, hopefully, I use little pieces of samples from video games, only arcade games, between each segment. And this week, I'm going to do reasonably easy ones, and I want people to write in if they can guess what they are. Uh, If they win, there'll be an arcade mug on of their choice from www.arcademugs.co.uk. So I'm going to use a bit easier than the one. I usually just do them randomly when I'm I'm editing later on. I just find stuff in MAME and use those. But this time I'll make them reasonably easy. I won't do some really obscure titles anyway. So, uh, yeah. So write down the the music you hear and send them off to us via the normal routes, Twitter, forums, uh, the arcade email, the arcade podcast email, uh, anything you can get hold of us, it's easy to get hold of us, all the notes are at the end. Yeah, am, am I included in that, Vic? Can I have a go? No, you're not. You've got an arcade mug, you're not allowed another one. Shush. <laughs> so, uh, last week, weekend, I went to see uh, Oliver Moazesi in Fairham, which is near Portsmouth, not too far from me, about an hour or so. And I had to pick up something nice, which I'll talk about in the nearly defunct pickups. And yeah. Ol treated me to a look around all his storage units because Ol is a massive collector. He's got 125 cabinets thereabouts. And since we've been talking, he's probably got a few more knowing him. And uh, my my jaw was on the ground most of the time. He's got some really, really nice rare cabinets. We're talking uh, one-offs. We're talking um, he's got a double and even trebles of some rare cabs as well. He's got um, prototypes. Uh, alternate types, alternate artwork machines, all sorts of stuff. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, with you know, some of the titles I saw were things like uh, Cloak and Dagger, Prototype Major Havoc Upright, uh, wow. and the Defender Prototype with almost almost like Star Wars side art to it. Not the normal sort of yellow and red guy. This is it had like a Tie Fighter on it. It was really weird artwork I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. But what we're going to do is rather than sort of expand on that now. Because I can't remember a lot of this. We sort of looked at so many things over three different storage places. Um, I can't begin to remember what was in each one. My 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 gob was properly smacked. So what I'm going to do is get all next week on a little Skype interview, and he can sort of remind me and talk to me and tell me a bit about the cabs. So that'll be for next time, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds very interesting. I've got all sorts of pictures and stuff. He's, he's given me some exclusive insights to some of his pictures. He really treated me around, actually. It was really good. And, uh, yeah, he's got a little bit in, in his house. We've got a few little cabs. He's working on a few, which was quite nice. 
saw a proper pong as well, really mint pong. Yeah. I think my first words were, you've got a pong. <laughs> uh, yes. So we'll talk about that next time. What have you been up to, bloke? Well, I've had a couple of days off work. I've been to Bath. Yes, in Somerset. Bath in Somerset for, yeah, for a few days. And then we went to Stonehenge to see a huge field uh, full of Tetris blocks or Jenga blocks. Depends how you look at it. Yeah. Um, that was very nice. Yeah, Bath's really nice. I've been there before myself. It's quite a nice nice part of the country, that. Yeah, it said it's um, a historical city. But when you look around, like historical for me is like computer space and Pong and that button. Yeah. But, but there, were, there weren't anything. They were just like old Roman stuff. Yeah, baths. So, yeah, baths. <laughs> I'm a bit disappointed, to be honest. But anyway, uh, last weekend or the weekend before, 7th of March, I went to the Bat Cave again, the monthly awesome. Bat Cave. Yeah, first Saturday of every month, isn't it? It is, yes. Mm-hmm. And they had a space area on a massive projector screen, so that was enjoyable to play. You've got mahoosive on the notes here, not just massive. Yeah. Is that a real word, that mahoosive? Of course it is. Yeah. It's like yeah. Of course it's a real word. <laughs> man. Uh, talking of space areas, um, the, the Retro Games Forum Shoot'em Up League, it was the featured game that finished last night. Okay. Um, I never really, I never really liked it, but I really got into it this last two weeks. In fact, I've been playing it more than our um, featured game, to be honest. Oh, okay, that's the reason for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And up to Saturday dinner time, I was second in the league. Oh, I, was, nice. oh, I was, and then yesterday, there's all the players are really jostling for places, and I think, I think I'm fifth now. So, all right, okay, that's pretty good. Very, very, yeah, very close scoring. So that I really enjoyed that. Yeah, the thing with Space Harrier, to me, it's like a lot of games in, in my sort of tastes. I like the look of it. I like the moving cabinet, and the deluxe one, you move around it. It's a lot of fun. It's like being on a little ride. But the game, even though it's colourful, it was really sort of cutting edge at the time, and I like everything about it. I'm not very good at the game, and the game gets, to me, a little bit samey. And I tend to find it's a lot of things going on on the screen. It just jumbles the screen, like like Afterburner and all that sort of stuff at the same time. And I don't know what's going on. He's just shooting randomly and just moving around, hoping not to get hit by a big smarty. Yeah, uh, well, eventually I sort of got into it and you can you can sort of work your way through that that field of bullets. But I quite enjoyed that one. Yeah, I know a lot of people who can actually do the game as well. I think the world champions try and do the game because when the game ends on level 18, I think, um, that's it. So you've got to get a massive score and as many bonuses as you can before you get to the end of it. I think it's not... For me, it would be difficult, but it's not a trivial task to get to the end for a lot of players, and they're yeah. just trying to get a massive score before they get to the end. So, yeah, that's mm. the sort of thing they do for the World Championship. We know Jodo, uh, Phil, who's a world champion, he's got 42 million as the world record. Oh, wow, that is good. Mm, definitely. That's why it's a world record holder. The guy that um, came first place, he finished the game. Yeah. Uh, got to level 18, and he got 29 million. So to get 42 is uh, good yeah, going, isn't it's it? It's a real point scabbing thing. I, mean, I, don't, I don't even know how you do it. You must have to you know, get all... I think you, maybe if you get all the, the things that are flying at you and don't miss one, maybe you get a bonus for that, and you've got to not miss anything. That's usually the way of things, isn't mm. it? Yeah, uh, and also, guess where I've been last night? You will never guess. Quite oh, a, oh, I don't know. It's quite a change for me, this. Have you been to Arcade Club, you spoiled brat? Yes! Yeah, Arcade Club again. Nice. Yeah, another good night. I've been uh, playing Robotron a bit now, trying to get better on Robotron. Okay, so what's your sort of scores on Robotron? Million yet? 
Uh, I'm now up to 138,000, which is all right. I think that's about where I get to on Robotron. Yeah. That's after playing for a while. I want to get used to it. Alex had um, Alex Chucky, our old, our old, uh, my old co-host of this show, used to have a table version, which was really nice. And I think he, after a lot of practice, got up to about 400,000. He was doing really well at it. Hey, that is good. So it's yeah. a game where you can learn to play better, I think. Even though it's a mm-hmm. mental game, it's crazy. Yeah, and I was also playing a uh, Toa Plan shooter called Doggy Yoon again. Doggy Yoon. And talking to Toa Plan, the special that I've been doing the research for is almost complete now. Uh, when we get together, we'll have to uh, do a bit of a recording on it and then we can get it out there. Yes, talking of us getting together, next weekend. Uh, we're going to get together. You're coming down from Oop North, don't it, South? Yeah. Uh, on the Saturday, we're going to go to the Heart of Gaming in Acton, the Hog, as it's well known as. I've talked to Mark already. He knows we're coming. A few of our friends are coming. Anyone else who, who fancies coming along to the Hog in Acton, please come along. We'd like to meet you. We're going to go there, do a couple of hours there, enjoy ourselves there. We're going to come back to my place, dump the cars, get on the little train near my house to Clapham Junction, get on the train there to Peckham Rye for the evening time, have a few drinks, and we're going to go to the Four Quarters Bar. And we're going to play a load of arcade games there, have a few beers, and upstairs I've got consoles and all that sort of stuff. Hopefully talk to some of the owners as well, and hopefully talk to Mark at the Hog for a bit of a insight of how the Hog's getting on. And uh, yeah, good times. And then come back here, and I think uh, a few people are staying on my floor. hope they bring some spongy things to lie on, because they're not having yeah. my bed, no chance, and you've got the spare room. Yay! So yeah, anyone who wants to come along to that, please come along. We'd like to see you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I can't wait, actually. And then the next day, we'll have breakfast somewhere nice, dump out all the uh, nerds that are on the floor, and we'll do a bit <laughs> of a podcast talking about what we're doing, and maybe do the Record the Tower Plan special. Yeah. That'd be good. I'm looking forward to that. Because we can actually play some Tower Plan games in the garage before we do it, so we can get a real real thirst for knowledge before we get on there. Yeah, good idea. Right, I've, got, I've been doing a bit of the Death Race stuff. We've got some Death Race news. Yes. I've done... So much filling and sanding on that machine, I've, I'm getting bored of it now. So I've stopped doing it. What yeah. I'm going to do, um, start, I've started to paint it already. Um, the cab isn't absolutely perfect. It's not completely free of little dings and bits of wear on the side. And to be honest with you, it might sound like I'm being lazy. I don't want it to be perfect. It's a 1976 cabinet. I want it to look old still, but neat and tidy and old. Yeah, It's coming along. What I've got to do now, I don't think I'll have enough time over the week to get it done before you guys come and visit me. You'll be able to look at it. it look okay, I think, but I've not quite got enough time to get everything together. And I've also realised, you know, the screen is scratched on it. It's quite had some deep scratches on the monitor. Yeah. And I was going to get a new replacement for it, but it's difficult finding a 23-inch tube for a black and white machine. But what I realised today, after being down a tip and looking at some old TVs at the tip they wouldn't let me take away... I've actually got a TV in my shed I got from the tip years ago. They sort of let me have it. I sort of twisted their arm a little bit and they let me have it. It's a colour TV, which makes no difference. You can use that on a black and white game. It's very simple to adapt. And I've actually got a Mitsubishi TV in the shed that is 23 inches. It's exactly the right size. It's got no burn on it. It's got no scratches on it. It's lovely. So hopefully I'm going to do that. But I've got to dig it out, get it all stripped down, put it in the cabinet, get it all working. So... I'm going to have a new screen, basically, which is marvellous news, because I was going to use a scratch one with a, a coloured um, perspex on it to try and hide the scratches, but this thing's going to be perfect. It's going to look really nice. 
Mm, yeah, that's a bit of good luck, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I yeah. realised that. I thought, oh my goodness, I forgot I had that TV in the flipping in the shed. I'll have a look. And I measured it and went, bingo, it's a perfect size. Because 23 inches, I think, is an old size that they didn't make after that. It was like a bit of an odd mm. size. They did like 25 or 21 inches, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But I've also got to do, um, I've got to remove scratches from the from the plastic bezel that goes over the uh, the screen because it's quite badly scratched, but not too bad that they can't get out. There's a lot of buffing and polishing to do to get that. It's quite time consuming. I've also uh, been doing a bit to my garage. I've been very busy this week and, and last week. I've been sort of sorting the garage out for your visit as well, so you can come and actually play the game, not trip over monitors and toolboxes all over the floor. I've been doing this flipping death race. Yeah. And um, I've actually bought some sort of tall uh, storage benches to put uh, some of the wall mount machines on, which we'll get to later on. And um, I've also been doing a few bits for other people. I've made a little cover plate for Rog to um, cover over his uh, one of the panels, his, his arcade panels, one of his, his candy cabs, which had a hole in it. Yeah, uh, and I've also made uh, a short run of Food Fight joystick gimbals, which is the the part in the joystick in an analog joystick that allows it to move around. It's sort of like a little link thing, and a, and a pin moves up and down it, and they get very very worn on the original machines, and it makes the joysticks really sloppy and they don't work properly. And when I played Ol's one at his house, it's one of the ones he's got in his house. The joystick wouldn't go left; it would go diagonal left and and up and left and down and left. It wouldn't go left very well because the, the, the gimbals are knackered on it. So I've actually made some new ones, right. those at work. I actually used, I did some a little while ago for people, and they work really, really nicely. And I've also made some aluminium ones, and I'm going to give these a try-out when Ol sends me his joystick to actually try it out in there because I'm not sure if the aluminium ones will work or not. There's no reason why they shouldn't, but I just don't want them to... With aluminium onto the pin, it might make a bit of a noise. I want it to be very smooth, so I have to try them out. But um, I will be sort of uh, selling them and giving them out to people who need food fights, but there's not that many people who've got a food fight machine, so they're quite um, quite a niche product, really. Mm, never played it. Oh, it's a, oh, honestly, mate. In Maine, it's a bit of a flat game. You think, oh, what's the, you know, what's the problem? It's just a game. When you play it on a proper mm. machine, the proper joystick, it's a really, really nice little game. Real fun. Good old Atari one. It's got a really nice cabinet as well, good side art and everything. Mm, yeah. Because the reason that spurred me on to do this is a guy called Carrie Cheney, uh, from The Place Retro Arcade in Cincinnati, who's pally with the Broken Token podcast guys. And uh, he said he needed some himself. So I've done some for him, which I'll send him to him very soon. I'll probably send him the uh, the nylon ones, actually, because I only did two of those. The rest were, were aluminium. So, yeah, there's, I've done that as well. And mm, brilliant. Yeah, so basically getting the arcade running uh, and up and ready and, and so you can walk around it and play without falling over stuff. And it's getting there, actually. It looks quite neat with these new tables I've got. Have you still got Volgus in the pony? I certainly have. I've got Volgus in there. And also the Konami Classics, the 10 games uh, motherboard. So we can just whip that over when we're bored of Volgus. Or when the the music goes all wonky and we can't stand it any longer. (laughs) Hey, guess what I was playing last night? One of your favourites. What were you playing last night? Tell me. In a cocktail, Mooncrester. Oh, I hate Mooncrester. You love Mooncrester. Oh, I hate. I hate it when those <laughs> things come behind you and smash into your spaceship. They're sneaky devils. No, I don't yeah. like Mooncrester. I like it's... the sounds and I like the video, you know, the, the visuals. But it's a game I can't stand playing. It certainly takes a bit of getting used to. They've got a swirly attack pattern, and it's it's quite tricky actually. It's an evil attack pattern designed to annoy me. Hateful game. <laughs> don't like that one at all. Okay, anything else you've been doing, bloke? Um, not really. Okay, right. I don't think. Let's go on, wait for the music, arcade news from around the world and local areas.
Right, it's be—it's going to be a busy and exciting couple of months for us in the UK. It certainly is for a change. Yeah, we've got three events in three months, really. Awesome. Third and fourth of April is the eight-bit flip. It is. It's a new is, event, isn't it? Yeah, which is in Northwich, Cheshire. Yeah, I can't get to that one because I've got too much going on in that month. But you are going to be our roving reporter there, aren't you? Yes, I'm going to get one of them talky, recordy things. What are they called? Uh, dictaphone. That's it. I'm going to get one of them and talk to people. Excellent. If they let me. Yeah. And then uh, the 2nd, 3rd and 4th of May is Play Blackpool. Uh, I'm not sure about that one yet. Uh, I'd like to. It's a long way. I don't know. I'll ask, I'll ask the wife, see if she wants to go up there. And the 20th to the 21st of June is NERG. I'm definitely going to that. I need to, I need yeah. to get my tickets actually and get the hotel sorted out pretty damn quick. So I want to, I'm doing two days there as well, I think. I'm going to do the whole weekend because I liked it so much last time. Yeah, I love Nurg. It's a, it's one of the better ones, isn't it? And, and Gateshead is a lovely town. Really like Gateshead. Mm, yeah. Uh, right, local to me. This is local, local news. There's yeah. a two-week retro gaming-themed art event called Pixel Lust. That isn't actually, fair. I don't get that. Actually, it's Pixel Lust 2. Oh, you've had two of them. Oh, well, that's even better. Mm. Thank you very much. I went to the first one last year and met, met quite a few people. And now, like, they're good friends now because I've known them a year. It's really good. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and it's it runs from well the the opening parties tonight actually I've just been down and um, oh. said hello to him and come back up before this podcast mm-hmm. uh, and it's in the Blackburn is open building there's a building called Blackburn is open in the town centre and this runs from the 16th to the 29th of March yeah yeah there's lots of stuff going on there's the, there's a retro gaming night on Wednesday oh, um, I think there's some bands on on the Saturday oh. like arcade themed but when well, arcade game themed bands yeah and then there's like workshops jewelry stitching all sort of pixel art stuff oh, uh, nice. technical talks coding for kids and you know lots lots of good stuff that sounds absolutely oh for goodness why can't i have this i'm a bit jealous actually that sounds excellent yeah we are very lucky in this area i love stuff like that and I've just been down, and all around the walls, there's this awesome artwork. There's there's one that caught my eye, and it's a Donkey Kong, kind of like a, a film poster, but it's Donkey Kong. Oh, yeah. And it's done in like, like a cool sort of film noir-style poster, so I might try and get that. Awesome. I need, I need some posters for my, um, my arcade room, actually. I might hopefully get a new carpet for it soon, because I've got paint all over the flipping last one. I keep doing painting and not putting things down. So <laughs> in the summer, when it's a bit better weather, I'm going to get all the cabs out. I might redo the walls, I might repaint them. There's a bit of um, bit of sort of fixing the door on one of the corners is all chipped away, and I'll hopefully get some more artwork for it as well. So, yeah, some, mm-hmm. some nice posters. My wife bought me some posters a while back of that kind of thing where they've redone old sort of um, artwork, and they're really nice, and I've never had the chance to put them up. And I keep sort of – I think I've been buying machines and fixing them rather than looking after the actual building. So I need to yeah. sort of do that and make it look nice inside with all the rope lights and everything and the mood lighting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like it when people reimagine sort of old games and old films with new artwork. Yeah, I like that. It's, it's best been... of both worlds, isn't it? I really like yeah. how they do that. It's yeah. almost like the um, the old propaganda posters. I think that's what mine are called. They're arcade propaganda. Oh, uh, yeah. Because there's, yeah. one, there's one with um, sort of like uh, the guys on ostriches looking sort of really mean. And it's like, you know, <laughs> fight fight for your country sort of thing. But it's, on, it's to do with joust, obviously. And there's another oh, one that has a Tron one on there looking really menacing with those um, sort of... Uh, gantry type robots coming over at you and it's really cool some really nice artwork in there i need to get them framed and get them up actually 
Mm. So what else have been going on? Right, uh, down near your way, well, fairly near your way, South End on Sea. South End on Sea. Yesterday, 14th of March, Happy Drome reopened. I think it's been open before, but it had problems with, with flooding or something. Yes, I think that, I've been there before when I did a little tour around the South Coast, and that's the one, I think they've got some, they've got about three uh, retro cabs in there. I'm sure they had a 60-in-1 jammer cab, they had a Pac-Man, yellow Pac-Man, and I think that's the, the same place that had the uh, dedicated track and field machine. Yeah. I'm sure the, it's that place, the Happy Drone. It's quite a popular one, the Happy Drone. It looks like, like they put a lot of effort into it, and it looks like an arcade of old, you know, coin pushes and yeah, yeah. air hockey and stuff. Uh, yeah, I think there's a f- quite a few retro stuff in there, but I'll have to look at the pictures. That's nice to know they reopened anyway. Brilliant. Yeah. And also I found this Eugene Jarvis uh, interview you know, him of Defender and Robotron fame. I think you'll find Genius. Yeah. The name we use for it. It's really Eugene interesting. I've, I've only read half of it because um, I don't know why I only read half of it. I need to read the other half. Uh, Julian Jazz Ribnall was interviewed him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, and he's he on the... Was, um, did he used to work for the 8-Bit magazine years ago, Jazz Ribnall? Julian Ribnall, isn't it? Yeah, he used to work for Zap64, I yeah. think. That's... Yeah, I knew the name from somewhere. Brilliant. And then he went on to computer and video games. And now I think he runs the US Gamer site or is very sort of senior in that site. Oh, okay. Excellent. And so Eugene's talking about how gaming has changed like from, from the immediate rush of just putting your quarter into a machine in, in the 80s and 90s. And now we pay $60, he's saying, for a much more involved journey of a mm. game that can take many hours to complete. But he reckons, like in every Grand Theft Auto Five, there's a there's a Robotron trying to get out. There's still that gameplay that people are after. If there was, I'd be paying sixty dollars to buy games because I don't pay that much money for them. I get them on offer. Yeah, you know, I, I like to get the indie games, which are a lot cheaper. It seems to be more fun for me as well. They take hours and hours of your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah like the immediate things that we love, but. Um... It's, yeah, it's a good interview, that. So uh, if we put a link in the, in the no-shows. Definitely. And, and uh, we were talking about this the other week, weren't we? Some guy has made a, a website called TurboSub, TurboSub.com. Yes. And he's a bit obsessed with two games that were released by a company called Entertainment Sciences in the 80s. Yeah. TurboSub and Bouncer. Yeah, odd and games. I've never really heard of before before I saw this, uh, this article on this, on this website. Yeah, I think one of them is in MAME, and the other was never actually never got to that stage. I think. I expect Oliver's got one in his garage, knowing him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's worth checking out that site. The, yeah. the detail that this guy goes into to have um, have a look through that history. Yeah, definitely. That's www.turbosub.com. They'll all be in the notes anyway, people. Yeah. Um, another new one that I stumbled across, uh, someone turned me on to, Nostalgic Gamer YouTube channel, right? He yeah. has done an in-depth retrospective. I love in-depth retrospectives. I know you do. Love a retrospective, you. I watched one on Cardboard the other week. It was awesome. Oh, Cardboard, anyway, brilliant. In, yeah. This one is on the Street Fighter series. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you watch them all together, it's two and a half hours, and the depth that he goes into, this guy... Mm-hmm. It, I, I found it really interesting, actually, even though I'm not a massive Street Fighter fan. Yeah, same and, here. There was a lot involved with it, I think. And me with my uh, propensity for napping, I only had two naps during the whole two and a half hours. Did you have a little snack in between? Chris Sandwich? Uh, uh, M&M's. M&M's Sandwich, you're mental. <laughs> no, but that is a good It'll idea. It'll fall out, surely. 
Unless you, <laughs> unless you secure the M&Ms in with peanut butter or chocolate spread, maybe. I was just thinking that, or jam. Yeah. Then you need tea, surely. I'm not into tea, I'm into coffee. Yeah, but all that, oh yeah, you need something, something wet to moist you. Anyway, back, back to the gaming stuff, what are we talking about? I don't know. That's the problem with going away to like somewhere like Bath. You, you're in these Cafe Nero and these lovely places, and you just get used to this really nice coffee. I like three-quid coffee. It's my favourite. And then you come back and you open your cupboard and you've got like a Kenko or some instant, and it's just not the same. Hey, when you come here, mate, next week, you'll be getting that rubbish. I've got a proper filter machine thingy going on with it goes blah, 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 and all that. Oh. <laughs> you'll be getting that <laughs> in the morning. Brilliant. That's brilliant, that. Right, here's another uh, a really cool arcade meet that was at the end of February, and I've just spotted it. It's uh, from a guy in Germany called Tyrem. Why weren't we invited? Hmm? Um, um, I probably don't, you don't know us, and he probably doesn't like us either. No. Anyway, it, there's pictures of his arcade. He had an arcade meetup in his own house, and it's yes. um, from the Dragon's Lair fans forum. Yes, this guy is quite a good collector. He's got some nice cabinets. Yeah, and I just... If we put a link, it's scrolling down these cabs he's got. They're just brilliant. Tutankham, Jungle King, Defender, Joust. Um, mm, nice one. There is loads, and there's there's a row of Nintendos that Alex would be jealous about. Actually, it looks Alex exactly the same. Already. Yeah, I thought it was Alex's place for a minute. It looks exactly the same, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, next time, Tyrem, can we get uh, invited to that, please? Yes, please, Mr. Tyrem. We'll come over to Germany, just nip over in our lunch breaks. There's a Ghosts and Goblins with different artwork. I don't know if that's a bootleg or if it's it's the German release or what. That's it's very nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, mm. ger- the thing with German games, the Germans got a lot of licensed releases, which are very, very different. Uh, some of the machines I've got in my arcade are German as well. I've got right. um, I've got two, we'll talk about that in a minute, I've got two Walmart machines, and they're definitely German because there's German text all over the, the glasswork. It's not even like a a printed sticker on top of you know, English, it's a German-only machine, and it takes Deutschmarks, the old Deutschmarks as well. Ah. I've had a few German machines. They're normally cabarets or Walmarts, that sort of thing. I had um, I had a Phoenix, I think, had German marks in it. You can obviously change your Coinmex over. That was a German, but it's actually a Japanese machine. But it came from Germany. I've, I've bought a few cabinets from Germany before. Mm. Fair good. Something about mini replica arcade cabs. Yes, I've spotted this on Etsy. You know the little the site where you can sell your own sort of handmade stuff. Yeah, it's quite good because they they do all sorts of stuff from handmade models and electronic things to sewing and um, origami and craft work and all sorts of. It's quite a good little site actually. I quite yeah. like it. Yeah. So what's on there? Mini arcade caps. Yes, there's quite a few of them, and mini Ooh. pinballs. They're like twenty three quid. Oh, there's a little cubert one there. I'm just going to click on it. Oh, you'll that, is, that in a minute. It's so cute. Yeah, I could I could actually have my own cab collection that it fit on fit on this table. <laughs> Unfortunately they can't have games inside because the the PCBs wouldn't fit. Oh yeah, didn't think of that. Nice to um decorate your uh, arcade room. They have a little shelf full of them. I think I've actually seen people have done that. They've had like a defender <laughs> machine and on the cat on the sort of uh, the shelf behind it it's got a little tiny one. Which looks yeah. quite nice. That's brilliant, isn't it? Um, also, right, I found this image on Twitter. Oh, this was great. I like this a lot. Yeah, and it's three arcade cabs, Miss Pac-Man, Gallagher, and Space Invaders. Yeah. And where the coin door normally is, it's see-through. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a clear perspex, isn't it? 
Yeah, and it's sort of a red. It's the, the cabs are all blue, and they've got Charity Arcade written on the side. Yeah. And I think the idea is you put the coins in, and it fills the box at the bottom, and you see it fill up for charity. Yeah, you get these when you go to a lot of museums uh, around the country and art galleries. Sometimes they're free to get in, whatever. But you can you can give donations, and it's usually a big glass clear dome, so you can see where all the notes are, and you can see usually euros and different uh, foreign money in there as well as fivers and tennis from the country and I always put something in because I think it's nice to appreciate something by, by giving a few quid for it especially if it's a free um, thing to get in or whatever so this yeah. is you actually get a game out of it for 50p or whatever and it's, it's all good, for the Red it? Cross which is absolutely brilliant if I was there I'd put a fiver in I'd spend an hour on it even though I've got the games at home I would do that yeah. for a good cause I really like that idea and because you can <laughs> see all the money in there as well it's nice to see what you're donating goes in with this other pot for the Red Cross. Absolutely brilliant. It's very good, isn't it? You can see in the background it says stock. I think that's Stockholm, isn't it? Oh, okay, yeah. So that in this just country, in... oh, brilliant. Maybe they should do it over here. That'd be great. Yeah, so it's obviously Japan. Or the... Where's, where is Stockholm? It's not in Japan, mate. Oh. Believe me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Full. oh, yeah. yeah I know and that. here's yeah. one. At the end, I'll do this one because you've done all the news this week. You're a very good boy. <laughs> Because <laughs> I've had too much on, honestly. Uh, this one, actually, actually, I didn't do. My brother sent me a link to this because I said to him, you know, we'd try and find different things to talk about in the podcast. And he goes on this site. It's like a forum called alternatehistory.com. Yeah. And what they do is they, they have a theoretical discussion about what if. So uh, what if, you know, try controversial, what if, the Germans had won, you know, the Second World War. What would happen? You know, what would we speak in? All this sort of thing. What would happen? What would your life be like? But a bit of a sort of a, a lesser, a lesser subject than that is what would happen, or what would be today's gaming like if the arcade had kept going, if the home computers and consoles hadn't taken off, and we were still playing games in the arcade. What would that be like these days? And that was a really interesting thing. I thought, yeah, I must get on this forum and have a discussion about this. It's the only one that really interested me on there. But yeah. what happens if we were still being sociable and going to arcades to meet them? I'll meet you in the arcade in half an hour. What would happen then? And what would happen to the state of gaming nowadays if we were still going to the arcades? Because they would have evolved with the machines, like like you know console games at home. That they've evolved over the years. So you're looking at HD screens now. You're playing online with hundreds of other people. Uh, would how much would, how would it be to, to to buy a game at a time? What would the gaming places be like? What would the controls be like? Would it move over to mouse and keyboards like you know uh, computers are nowadays? But if computers hadn't really taken off and the computers were still an office thing, how would you be playing games? It's quite an interesting subject, and it it opens up loads of talking points about what would happen if the consoles hadn't taken off over here you know, in the home? What if we were still playing in the arcade? And it's that sociable thing as well, which I think today's gaming has lost. You might be social online, yeah. you know, get get together on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, whatever, to say, oh, we're going to meet online at a certain time and we'll all play a game of, you know, Call of Duty with 10 players or whatever, or we're going against the world. But you never meet each other. You're not no. next to each other. You're not talking about other stuff when you finish playing your game. You're not going for a pizza afterwards. Obviously, when the home consoles came in and, and when people were going to the arcade, there was always this thing, oh, what are you putting money in that machine for for someone else? Why can't you have one at home of your own for a lot less money? And it was always going to be that way. But what if it hadn't been like that? 
It's a good talking point. Yeah, it's it's a good uh, discussion on that site, isn't it? It's sort mm. of quite a long thread. I suppose it'll get longer as people add bits to it. I think I will get onto it, actually, because mm. the people on there, um, I don't think they were that versed in arcades, you know, in the machines like we are. We play and we collect them and we fix them and all this sort of stuff. And we know a lot. I know a lot about the history of arcades. I've read a lot of books on it. I might just get on and chime in my sort of knowledge to it for what that's worth. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I will get on to that. It sounds quite an interesting thing to talk about, to get other people's opinions on it as well. Maybe get them on here and talk about it. A massive thing for me, uh, with all these arcades springing up now, this it's sort of a resurgence that we're, we're seeing, isn't it? especially in this country. It's coming. It's Is... definitely coming, a resurgence in the arcade. I'm, I'm crossing yeah, my fingers there's... right now, but I think it's coming. At least 50% of it is just standing and chatting with people and watching people play. It's just a great camaraderie, isn't it? Yeah, when we, when we meet up together, like you and me, we've met a few times up north and at these different events. And I meet loads of other people, even Alex, you know, who lives down the road, who can come over whenever he wants. You go to play these games, and when you finish playing them, you sort of talk, oh, did you play Cuba? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't have time. What do you mean you didn't have time? You were there for like five hours. Well, I was talking to someone. I was playing this. Uh, me and John were playing Berserk, or me and Sean had a competition on whatever. If it were Vargas, Victor would definitely win. And you sort of stand around talking, and you're chatting about each other's collections. I'll oh, show a quick game on this, and you're watching someone else play a game because they're really good at it. And yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's just you get a camaraderie, and you it just goes like that. And that's the social part of it I really, really like, which you don't mm. get on the home consoles. I don't think anyway. I don't do it. I don't do online gaming. I just, you know, if I do online gaming, you usually get some people who are really, really good, and you just get hammered. So I don't really yeah. do that sort of thing. It's not really for me, you know. And I don't spend hours in front of it playing it. I like to go in my garage, have a quick game or something. I usually go in there to do something and just have a quick go of Cosmic Alien or whatever, and end up in there for an hour. But it's that sort of social thing. My, my son plays a lot online, and he he has a gang of. Of friends and they sort of migrate from game to game and I think yeah. he's on now this week he's been playing the original Halo oh, right. um, that's retro you, for them I suppose isn't it yeah you can hear him laughing his head off upstairs I don't know what they're doing but he's having the time of his life yeah. but some of them he knows from college but the others he's never met you know yeah I find that a little bit sad yeah um, the one thing that, that being on the arcade forums and the arcade collections and going to meetings it's like meet new people and you find friends. Even at our, our sort of area in life, we're like in our 40s, we're still meeting people all the time. And it's nice when you get a new guy who's really keen and interested and they start collecting. You see the downhill slope where they're buying more and more cabs and you know, <laughs> you're getting addicted to it. And it's a nice thing. And it's nice to help new people out as well, I think. I like helping people out. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice doing this podcast and you get people come up to you talking about it and saying, oh, you, you might want to do this or I like the podcast. It, it's a really satisfying thing. and I really like it. And that's what I like about this old sort of stuff. We're all in and 99.9% and .9 of the time people really want to get on. They want to collect stuff. They want to play. They want more knowledge about things. They want to help out. And I really like that. But I don't think you get that online because you, mm -hmm. you don't really, you're not face to face with someone. And also, on the sort of more negative side of it, if you've got a problem with someone, you know, you might have disagreed about something or someone gets a bit miffed about a comment, when you meet in person, you can have it out and you can have a beer and sort things out and usually everything's settled and you're both happy again. Online, there's a lot of keyboard warriors and a lot of this sort of yeah. cyber bullying, which I really don't like. And I think it, 
you know, you've got to stay away from that sort of thing. But when you actually meet face to face, people usually calm down. They realise things maybe have said out of context. And hopefully mm. they can just go and have a game of something together and, and just get over with. It's really cool. Yeah. That's yeah. usually usually what happens, which I quite like. Yeah. Okay, anything else? Uh, that's it for the news this week. Okay, let's do, and we have got some, or I have, some pickups. Right. Cosmic Jeff. Cosmic Jeff. Maybe we should explain about this because people probably think we're mad if they're uh, a new listener or forgotten the, the thing about Cosmic Jeff and Cosmic Alan. <laughs> I bought off Martin Gudler, the UK back forum, a friend of mine I've known for a few years now, a wall-mounted arcade machine. Uh, and it's a universal game called Cosmic Alien. And it's uh, a German machine, like I was talking about earlier, licensed to Germany. And I think with Germany... They had a lot of um, they had small arcades where space was a premium, and mm-hmm. what they tended to do was buy cabaret machines or wall-mounted machines. Don't you like the old cigarette machines and the old sweet machines you got on the walls years ago? Yeah. So it's a wall-mounted machine, and I think you coined the phrase. It's not called Cosmic Alien. You called it Cosmic Allen. Yes. I maybe, maybe I typed it in wrong, and I noticed and you just coined the phrase Cosmic Allen, and then. I said, oh, I'm going to get another one. And what I was going to do is put Cosmic Gorilla in it, which is a slightly different game, uh, same sort of era, and it would go in there with a few tweaks to the, the power requirements. It's got the same controls as Cosmic Alien. And you said, oh, it's going to be Cosmic Jeff, his brother. <laughs> so that's where it came from. And I've actually got the cab now. I bought it from someone in France who I'll put me on to. And it came over with uh, a machine he bought from the same guy. I think it was a No Man's Land, a universal cocktail machine. And he said, oh, we can get, you know, split the postage on it or the delivery courier service. And he popped it on top of this machine and strapped it all up. And I went and picked it up when I went and saw Ol last Sunday. So thank you very much for that, Ol. Uh, And it is actually really, really nice. It's slightly better than the one I've got already. And the one I've got already is really, really cool. Martin did me a really good deal on that. It's a nice machine. Uh, and this one is slightly different. It's got the full locking mechanism, which my old, what my alien, Cosmic Alien, is missing. And this one has had the coin mech removed, even though it's included in the sale, because I asked for it. And it's got a button on the side for, for coins, which is brilliant. It also makes the machine quite a lot lighter. And when I got it, I got it home. It's in good condition, needs a bit of a paint, no problem at all. Got it home, got it on, works absolutely perfectly. The one thing that didn't work on it was the light in the front because it actually lights up the whole front of the glass cabinet. There's a little glass cabinet with its own custom artwork you don't get on any other uh, universal machines. And that lights up. And the light wasn't working. So, oh, here we go. So I wasn't really that bored about it. It's only a light. So I changed the, the starter on it because it's a little neon tube light and that didn't make any difference. So hold on a minute. So I took the actual light out and on the little terminals, there's sort of four little two prongs either side where it sits in the, the mountain. Looked at a, a bit sort of corroded so i got some uh, fine emery paper like sandpaper give them a bit of a buff yeah. in put them back in perfect bing works every time absolutely perfect so oh, i'm well okay. pleased with that and the racking i bought the other day is quite tall so i can actually put these machines on side by side so they're actually next to each other so i've got two cosmic aliens at the moment running exactly the same game so it says here that you've got thirty, almost 30,000. That is a hell of a score on that. It is, because it's quite a low-scoring game. I think I got to about level 9. Uh, and it's, it's a really cool little Galaxian clone. 
the way it works, it's quite it's quite a bit different for Galaxin because it's they've got different attack patterns. Yeah, I know. Yeah. What happens is every two levels up until level five is when you've done the second level, instead of the aliens coming down at you like space invaders, you go up one level. So you're closer to the, the invaders. And it gets a bit tricky because they're, they're closer to you so they can shoot you earlier. And when you go up another level on level four, um, you're quite close to the invaders. And what they do is they circle behind you, like in Mooncrest, but not as unfairly, I think. <laughs> and they yeah. don't try and crash you from behind. So you've got to watch it. And it gets quite a fast little game. When you're so close to them, you can shoot them quicker. And the thing oh, is, yeah. is, when you've got the last alien on, on the screen, and it comes, it swoops down at you like a Galaxian, it turns into this big, huge cosmic alien, which is the sort of evil being. It's a really, really big sprite. It's really easy to shoot, but it makes this beeping noise that comes down at you. And all the sounds on it are analog, so it's really weird whooshing sounds and beeps. It's a really cool little game. I really like it. I like it as much as Galaxian. I'm a big Galaxian fan. I'll have to have a go next week. I think I've got 29,000 or about level 9, which is quite good because I had to beat Witchfinder's wife, who's really good at it. She was getting like 20,000. He's got the full upright machine he bought off of um, Julian from Jammer Plus. And that's a really nice machine. And I've got close to yeah, 29,000 odd, but I found the world record. I thought, oh, I might be in for a chance because not many people have got this machine to you know, do the proper arcade record on. No. The world record is 502,950, which wow. is crazy. That would take forever. But yeah. I suppose, like Galaxy, when you get used to the way it does, like the guy up uh, near you was doing, getting like 700,000 on Galaxy now, getting close to you know, the million, uh, yeah. I think you sort of get used to it. And I, I was getting used to it. When you play it for a while, you do get better at it, which is another thing I really like on a game, and you get better. Well, he, uh, yeah, he said, Charlie Farr, he said last Charlie night, Charlie Farr, that's right, yeah. Charlie Farr, he was up to 320,000, and he said, look, I'm bored now, this is Galaxian last night, he says, you have a go, see if you can do it, so <laughs> I, I took his last life, oh, right. um, I lasted, a, I, I cleared a screen at 320,000, I got halfway through the next screen and got killed, but it gets to a level, maybe yours does as well, maybe Alan does, it gets to a level when it doesn't get any harder. Yeah, so it you, does, yeah. Because when, you, when you've got those two levels on, on Cosmic Alien, you go up two levels, so you're quite you're only about an inch and a half away from the aliens. You're quite close. And I think that's where they, they come down. You get so many on screen at a time coming down at you, and they fire a certain amount, and it doesn't get any harder. So, yeah, I think it does stay at the same level. It's quite difficult because you're quite close, but the game gets quicker because the space between you and the aliens is very short, so you're shooting them quite quickly. So the levels become quite quick. And because they're moving a little bit quicker and they're always sweeping at you, the levels are quicker. It does get to be more of a fun game when it gets quicker, believe it or not. Yeah. I do like it. I really like it. But I'd like to get a Cosmic Gorilla in Cosmic Jeff. I'm going to actually put some little name tags above them, Alan and Jeff. Yeah. And, uh, I'd like to get Cosmic Gorilla in one because it's a slightly different game, but in the same sort of vein, in the same era. They're yeah. both like late 70s games. And Cosmic Gorilla... It's a really nice game. They had one of these at the Unigame up in Wakefield when it was still around, and it's a really nice game to play. Really loud sound effects as well, same sort of analog sound effects. So if anyone's got a Cosmic Gorilla PCB they'd like to sell me, or even better, give me as a nice little present, I would like yeah. that. And there's also um, another one that I would consider. There's a Cosmic... Oh, is it Cosmic? I don't know what it is, but it's an Invaders clone. But it was Universal's own version of Invaders. Cosmic Monsters. Monsters. Cosmic, Cosmic Monsters. Monsters, yeah. I'd like mm. that as well. Maybe one of those two to go in there. 
Just the mm-hmm. left, right, and one fiber control. That's all it's got on there. But that'd be quite nice. Yeah, so that's that one pickup I got, which is quite a nice one, I think, an actual arcade cab for a change. Another one is some um, reasonably arcade-ish. They're consoles and the computer. I got a Philips Videopack G7000 console. And this was around when I was a little tiny kid. I never had one when I was a child. It's the same as an Odyssey 2 console. And I've, got to, I've only got it, really, to fiddle with, because I know you can modify the cartridges. Yeah. And what you can do is you can blow your own EPROMs, which I've got an EPROM burner of my own, and someone's made a home, homebrew version of Death Race, which I really like to play on it, because it's the only other place you can play Death Race, as far as I know, than the arcade cab. And I'm the only person in the country who's got one. I still haven't got it working yet. I've got to get it all together, as you know. Yeah. It, it was £17 plus postage. Cheap as chips. Yeah. Uh, and it came with two quite poor games. There's one called Laser War, which is a really junk version, sort of like Asteroids, but not very good. A very, very simple game. Another one was Video Billiards, which is absolutely terrible. You know the old yeah. the, the arcade video uh, pool and snooker games you get are quite good. It's quite an easy game to play. This yeah. one, whenever you hit the ball, it hits it like a mouse has farted on it. It just doesn't yeah. move the balls very far at all. It's a really boring game. So that's the one I ripped apart. To make the uh, to put a socket in there so you can put EEPROMs in it, and I haven't managed to get it working yet. I think there's a few bits of, of work to do on it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give that to Sarge, Mr. Silver Fox, because he's actually yeah. sent me something for my next pickup, which has been really, really helpful. He's helped me out a lot there, so I'm going to give him that as a little gift for giving me this. What my next pickup is it was an Amiga 600. Remember, I was on about trying to get hold of one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got one. I got it for quite a good deal. I think it was 78 pound delivered from eBay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one's already got a hard drive installed inside. Uh, but I've got a bit of a moan, actually. The guy who sent it sent me in good faith, did a really good deal for me, but it was delivered by a company called My Hermes, which is one of these um, sort of alternative courier people. I think you get people willy-nilly just bringing vans around. They're not actually, you know, proper delivery service. They, they, they get licensed to do it. It's and, a franchise thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's quite yeah. cheap to do. But, I mean, there's a reason why it's quite cheap. When I actually got the box back, it didn't look battered at all. But when I got inside, the F10 key on the keyboard was broken. Yeah. It had actually been broken off inside. And the spring and the little piece was inside. I can fix it with our friend Mr. Superglue. But that was broken, which I was a bit sort of unhappy about. But then when I turned the machine on... Nothing was coming on the screen. I think he was getting a purple screen with, like, insert a disc. I was like, hold on a minute, what's going on here? I talked to Sarge about it, and he said, no, if there's a hard drive in it, it should boot to the hard drive with the operating system on it. So, well, that's not happening. So I took it apart, and inside, the, the, the actual IDE cable on the hard drive looked a little bit wonky. So I right. presume this machine had been beaten around a bit. I mean, I mean, the box had been thrown around for it to happen, because when the machine left the guy, it was perfectly working. I, I trust that. I know that. So yeah. I think these... Uh, these chimps have been delivering it, have been throwing it around like a football. And it's oh not on. I was a bit unhappy about that. But luckily, pop the, the wire back in, the, the cable, ribbon cable, and it's working perfectly. Brilliant. And I had it for over a week, not being able to do absolutely anything with it. Because the games on the hardware, there's a few games installed on the hardware were no good. They were just like strategy ones that don't interest me. They worked okay, so I knew the machine was working fine. But there's so many games on the Amiga I really would like to play because I don't play these since I was a teenager. A friend of mine had one years ago, and this is the small six hundred, which I quite like. It's quite short for my small for my little 
cubby holes I've got for my computers and consoles in. And I know there's a lot of really cool arcade games on there. Not just conversion, I mean original games that would be nice in the arcade. And mm. uh, to play these games, I think the best way, because the machine was a little bit underpowered to use the hard drive, apparently you need like an accelerator, which uh, yeah. upgrades the machine. And they're very expensive to buy. They're like 200 quid for uh, an accelerator. And oh, I was wow. thinking, you know, I don't want to pay that just to fart about with some silly little games I want to play. So what Sarge did, is said to me, because he knows quite a lot about them, he said, best thing to use to get a GoTech drive, which is a floppy drive emulator, which you put a USB key into. And yeah. you, put, you put all your, your drive images on the key. So what you do is you put it in there and you assign different points. It's got a little button on the side, which you can choose on the, on the digital display, what image you want to use. So say Great Vanessis is on image 10, you pop it onto number 10, reboot the computer, and it loads just like there was a floppy drive, a floppy disk in the drive. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Oh, I call them floopies anyway, floopy disks. Floopy disks? I think someone spelt it wrong once. I thought floopy's much better than floppy. A floopy disk. <laughs> yeah. So I've got that now. I've played, I had a lot of time, been so busy doing other stuff around the house and things. We've had a, a lot of new furniture come for your spare bedroom you're going to be in that you get here. And uh, I've had oh, some little time. Oh, yeah, we, need, we needed a bed for you, mate, to be honest with you, because the old bed was knackered. Uh, yeah. It's more, so, more furniture. Yeah, you can you can hang your nice shirt up for the night and pop your pants in the drawer and all that. Like, <laughs> right. So, yeah, we were busy doing that. We needed to get the stuff anyway. Um, but, yeah, I've not had a lot of time to play with it, but I'm looking forward to playing with it. I put thing, I think I put Turrican 2 on there, because that was um, one of the games put forward to us for one of the consoles. I think Anthony Graham put that forward. He said it's a really good game. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, I've played. Well, I used to play that a lot. And yeah. there's a version of, I think there's a deluxe Pac-Man, which looks really nice little game. A deluxe Gallagher, really cool sort of homebrew version of it. So I'm really looking forward to that. Also, another one I've had, I, I didn't, I forgot until just the other day, only arrived a little while ago, is um, an original Atari Super Pong console. Oh. It's really nice. It looks 70s. I mean, it is 70s, but it looks 70s, brown and black. Uh, and it, it's got the little dials on it. Uh, and it's a really weird thing. I noticed that the old 70s and early 80s consoles, where you put the wire in the back of the TV, the old uh, auxiliary cable, it's about 20 yeah. feet long. <laughs> How far away did you have to sit from the TV when you were a kid to play Pong? And Atari 26, mm. the, the wires are massive. I'd go out there and this is ridiculous. I have to trim this down a bit. It's too big. I think it's because your mum and dad don't want you getting square eyes looking at that telly all day long. It's better than the other way, though, isn't it, being too short? Yeah, but it's it's really long. I haven't had a chance. I haven't even had a chance to plug the damn thing in yet to try it out. Uh, the guy who sold it to me on one of the, I think it's a Facebook retro uh, for sale page said it's working, and I think it is. It looks really really nice condition. You can actually put batteries in this thing. Do you know that? In in the console. Yeah, you can take the bottom off and put four. I think the big ass D batteries in there. You know the big old ones you don't see anymore. Yeah, is is it? Um... Didn't Atari license everything out to Sears? Was it Sears? Yeah, Sears in, is an American America. company. They licensed that. But, but the actual Pong on a chip, which is uh, the later ones that they made, they licensed that to just about everyone. I mean, they yeah. licensed it to Grandstand over here. Uh, I think CGL did one. Entech did one. There was loads and loads and loads of companies that did you know, TV squash, TV football, and they put a gun on it for some gun games. And nearly every Pong console you see, every clone, has got exactly the same chip in I've been inside these machines, and they've got exactly the same chip inside. So it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. This one's got the Atari logo on it. 
It looks really cheesy 70s. It's really chic, actually. I really like it. So I have to try that. It has, it has actually got uh, a power jack in there. I presume it's six or nine volts. I have to make sure I find out what, what voltage it is first before I plug it in. But I'm looking forward to trying that one out, actually. I do like a bit of Pong. Yeah, I, I like the way all these old consoles now are getting extra li- uh, extra life, getting a one-up um, from yeah. all these add-ons, you know, like the USB sticks that you can put in them and the extra things. Yeah, absolutely. I've got, well, for that Amiga 600 I've got, I don't need to have any floppies at all. I can put every single game ever made for the Amiga on one USB stick. It's amazing. I think you can do the same for the Dreamcast now, can't you, and the Saturn. And, uh... The Dreamcast one really interests me because I've got about 100 uh, <clears throat> burnt CD-ROMs. No, no, original <laughs> GD-ROM games for the, yeah. for the Dreamcast because uh, it's very easy to bootleg those games. I mean, someone came out with a, a bootloader quite quickly after that thing started. And the Dreamcast is a mega console. I really like the Dreamcast. But apparently now there's a hard drive add-on for it. So you can put all the games on one drive. I oh, that is good. I think it's still in its infancy. I've not heard much about it, but I would be interested in get, definitely interested in getting one of those so I can get rid of all those discs out of the way. Yeah, these EverDrive things that you see with the, the Mega Drive and the SNES and that, it's just brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I've got a few EverDrives. I've got one for my Famicom. I've got yeah. one for my PC Engine. Uh, I've got one for the N64. I've got a similar kind of thing, not an EverDrive, for the Vectrex, which is really good because Vectrex cartridges, some of them are quite hard to get hold of. Uh, I've got one for my Atari 800. I've got one for the Commodore 64. There's one I'm eagerly awaiting for the Intellivision, the LTO. That should be coming out, I think, this month, actually. I've got my friend Paul Nerman in America looking out for me for one. So when that comes out, I'm having it. Because some, some of the games on Intellivision are very expensive and very hard to get hold of, and I'd like to play those. Yeah, these, these things, they're not emulation, are they? It's actually using the original hardware. I think yes. it's brilliant. The original yeah. hardware with images of the ROMs, that's all it is. Yeah. Not actually emulating yeah. hardware, it's cool. So you've been have you been stealing some pickup? I have got I've I've done really well this uh you this have week. Done I've got well. I've got loads of pickups. What, I have what bought, have you picked up? Tell me. I've got a Qbert cab with with uh, some new artwork. Oh. That's really? nice isn't it. Actually Ooh, no yes. sorry that wasn't me. That wasn't me. That was purity. Hang That's on. Ben. Yeah. Purity. Uh, but I did get a pole position cockpit. No you didn't. You lied. Very I rare. got one of those. Oh yeah, sorry yeah. Uh, um, let me talk about the Qbert a minute. A Qbert yes. is a cab. I would like to own. Yeah. I've said it. But what, <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to get one, right? Unless a really good deal comes up with an import. Because we didn't get them over here. We just didn't get them. I never saw a Cubit when I was a kid, ever. But I knew of it. I think because of the whole home computer versions of it. But the Cubit cab is really nice. It's striking. It's yellow. It's got really nice side art on it. It's got a really cool marquee. The game is a brilliant game. We both love the game. It is. It's good. very unique. It's got that knocker inside. When you die, you get the, and you get a, a bashing at the end. Yeah. So I'd like one of those. I really would like one. Yeah. The um, what else is there? Turkey shoot. Phil Muir pick, picked up a turkey shoot, which I did. I played in uh, arcade club last night. First time ever. Oh really? Yeah. I'm not sure the game is brilliant to be honest. But oh, right, is it a shooting game with a gun? Yeah, it is. And what do you shoot? Don't tell me. Turkeys? Well, you're actually shooting guys at a, well, the first level, I never got off of it. You're shooting guys that are robbing a bank. Oh, right. And they turn into turkeys somehow. <laughs> Either that or I was drinking too much. No, I was driving. Yeah, they, they actually turn into turkeys. 
I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, weird game. Um, Griffo83x has picked up a Chase Chase HQ and an Outrun uprights. Sean R28 has also got a Chase HQ and a House of the Dead 1. Chase HQ is a really popular game, isn't it? I think Ollie Muddy Music's got one of those. He might even have number two as well. People like it. I think I prefer a standard racer than the the smashing at the cars to bits, but I, I can see the appeal of it. Yeah, yeah. The, the racing games for me, not that keen. But yeah, it's got really nice side art. It's a really nice looking cab. I like it a lot. Mm. And two massive pickups. The French guy, uh, well, the guy in France, Zbikabonk. Yes, he's a massive um, importer for, ca- for cabs. Yeah, 49 cocktail tables, 16 mm-hmm. candies, nine one arm bandits, and eight, uh, five patchy slots. And a partridge it, in a pear tree? It picked all them up in one hit. Yes, that what is... it is, this guy, I think he's in cahoots with another guy who... Yeah. Uh, got hold of all the cabinets in the arcade that someone was someone inherited in Japan. Mm. Remember when we and Alex were doing the podcast a while back before you came in, we did a little thing on this, and I think what had happened is an arcade had closed down, and someone had inherited it, or they bought it off an old lady who'd inherited it, something like that. I can't remember, and the place was full of cabinets. And the Japanese do love their their cocktail cabinets. I mean, when I went over there, there was loads of them, really odd-looking ones where they've been custom-made and the controls are slightly different. They had lots and lots and lots of games in them. And he, he, he got older to some of these. I think he's been bringing them over now and selling them in Europe, which is cool. Yeah. But, yeah, there's been a lot of cocktail cabinets. I think he's selling them for, like, 200-odd euros each, which is quite a good deal. And it's a bit of potluck what you get, really, because there's so many of them. Yeah, I think a lot of them have been converted to Mahjong. You know, lots of cases, very, very popular game in Japan. But, I yeah. mean, it wouldn't take much to convert them back to a, a decent arcade game. They've got, I think they've got, some of them have got boards in inside still, and I think there's unknown what you get, because there's so many of them. You haven't got time to check them all. So that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. And on YouTube, a guy called Arcade Geek from Dallas has picked up 110-plus cabs. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I saw the start of this video. I haven't seen all of it yet. Yeah, some, some of them really nice games and a ton of extras he's got with it as well. Yeah, that's I'm amazing. Sure about when that went on, honestly. So that's another another one in America. Where they're very lucky with their cabs, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, unfair. They should give them all to us. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's about it for the pick real pickups and stolen pickups. Yes. Let's get on and do a bit of feedback. Okay, so our usual feedbackerists, people like SilverFox0786, Sarge, he says, mm. awesomeness has just arrived, and even better, the podcast image is tame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've been doing a few controversial ones lately. Uh, he thinks it's awesome I beat you on the last game we played on Vulgus, which is yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> uh, he says, Otto, stay away. Sean might be annoyed and kick you in the chin for losing. I don't think that's going to happen with him. He's pretty good. He also says... Uh, Dancing Eyes is also a Japanese Amadar-style game with slight filth behind the squares. I think <laughs> this is the one where you're travelling around a, a wireframe of a girl. And when you fill yeah, it in, you yeah. fill the pictures in. I think it starts off as just girls wearing clothes, looking normal. And as you progress, they get more scantily clad. Filth. Yeah. But I think you've got to be really good to get the filth. I mean, I wouldn't even get halfway there to, to see any of that sort of rubbish. I've uh, found some filth. Oh, well done. Go on. Yeah. A game in MAME called Erotic Tack. Erotic Tack or Tactic. Yeah. 
and it looks like it looks like your standard columns type of game where you're matching colours in like a uh, they drop in a grid. Yeah, kind of tame game. Tame game. You wouldn't expect to have dirtiness, naughtiness going on. And then you finish a level, and and you get like a, a picture of a scantily clad young lady. I think what it is. I don't think it's as bad as you think. I think these were sort of designed for like casinos and adult places and bars, especially in Japan. They like that sort of thing in Korea. So yeah. I think they were aimed at adults. They weren't aimed at kids, really. And there is versions of MAME you can actually use. They'll actually blank out the ROMs with adult themes. And it, <laughs> yeah. put, it puts them in another folder. So wow. you know, if your kids want to play the arcade machine, they're not going to come across a dirty game like what we have by accident sometimes. Yeah. But the thing is, some of those games, and a lot of them are puzzle games. I presume you know, in a casino or a bar, people like to play puzzle games to get their mind active. They've obviously got the rewards are a bit adult mature themed, but the actual games are really quite good. There's some good kicks type games and a good some good Amadar games and some good um, puzzle bubble games. But then they've got the girls and all this sort of stuff, and it's a real yeah. bit sexist because there's no blokes for the girls yeah. to play. I'm sure women play those games in bars as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil V85 said that Morrigan. From Darkstalkers, he's over 300 years old, so why are you fancying her, Sean? Yeah, I've gone off for now, she's a bit old for me. She's a little bit old, isn't she? Yeah. Yes, for life, Phil. Uh, great podcast, fellas. Thank you. Been listening whilst cycling to and from the train. And he put, Victor want a shooter? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> yes, I'm not that bad. I only wanted by a gnat's breath, though, didn't I? They're very close, yeah. Uh, Benson Rad, uh, listen number four. First up, I thought it was a great show. Had a bit more of an international feel about this time, and he felt, as a lot of things, uh, talk of things about the world, which was interesting. Data East had a lot of good games, really. Following the Gauntlet stroke Braywood theme, there was also Dark Seal, Gate of Doom, and Wizard Fire. Uh, yeah, they're sort of an isometric Gauntlet. I think they were quite well done, those games. Quite yes, nice looking things. Yeah. Also reckons Joe and Matt Caveman Ninja was a good game. You're wrong, it's rubbish. Uh, and Side Pocket, which is a, a pool-type game, I think, which I quite like some of those games. Yeah. And he reckons, hmm, a lack of arcade pickups. You could also do, always do an eBay watch of things that have sold for silly money, high or low. Uh, that is true. There's some cockpit cabinets recently on eBay in Hawley, which someone snapped up. The seller also had a jammer cab with a football game that sold for just £10 for a whole machine. Wow. And a few cocktail cabs have recently sold pretty cheap. I think with jammer machine, I think nowadays you pay 150 to 300 pounds for a reasonable jammer cab in this country. Yeah. But gone are the days of getting them for 10 pounds, I think. But yeah, I think if you're lucky, you can get them quite cheap. Wow. Well, he's wrong about the pickups this week. We've got quite a few, actually. Yeah, we had loads, didn't we? Not bad. Well, I had loads. You stole loads. <laughs> uh, Martin Guddler. <laughs> Asked about the intro music. Uh, we get asked this a lot, actually. It's a song called New Invaders from a band uh, my wife and I know personally, uh, Andrew and Reagan, and they're called Iris. They're an American band. I've seen them in Germany. I've seen them, uh, yeah, I've seen them play in Germany. They really actually did uh, New Invaders, which is really cool. Uh, I'll put a note on the show note how to get hold of their music. So if you want to hear New Invaders and also a really cool remixed version of it, it's on an EP called Hydra, and it's really, really good. I've got that one myself. So Alpha One, all nice podcast again, gentlemen. Uh, March in Maze, which is a game we're doing this show, is now on a multi kit, and the details are here. I've put the I'll put the link in the show notes. It also plays a game called Shadowland, another rare and great Namco game. 
The thing is, with this, there is there are two different add-ons to these these boards. Um, there's a, a vertical one for games like Pac-Mania and Gallagher 88, which is the same hardware. And there's yeah. also the horizontal one, the two di- separate um, kits. So you can play stuff like, um, like you said, uh, Shadowlands and Marching Maze, and also things like Splatterhouse. But the thing is, it's not a complete solution. You've got to have one of these boards, original boards already, to put the add-on onto. And those boards are quite expensive. I mean, I used to have a Pac-Man. Right. And when I bought Pac-Mania Machine, the board wasn't working. And I think about seven or eight years ago, a replacement PCB cost me £100 then. So you're looking at £150, I reckon, now for a board for one of those games. Right. And I think Splathouse goes up to about £300. It's quite a lot of money. Wow. It is a lot, isn't it? I'll also reckon that Zenon 2 Mega Blast with maze balls. And I'll be playing that yeah, soon because okay. I've put that on my drive for playing on the Amiga. Yeah, I did have that on my Amiga. I think it had Bomb the Bass, didn't it? The, the song Mega Blast from Bomb the Bass. Yeah, I loved that one. I did it school. Well, I had the album. I actually bought the album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, on one of those big black 12-inch round things, you know what I mean? A record, oh, yeah, I think they're that... called. Oh, no, we don't have any of them nasty things anymore. Mm-mm. Plastic, getting scratched and sounding awesome. Mm. You've got in the show notes here some Amiga talk about Goat Tech infiltrates the feedback. You know very well it's a GoTech drive, you fool. Goat yeah, tech. you've explained it now, but I don't know what GoTech was. There was, I thought no, was on there's about no robot sheep goats and going stuff. on. No, definitely not. No. That would have been good if there was. That sounds like a, a Goat Tech. That's going to be a new Llamasoft game, surely. A new Jeff Minter game, yeah. As we said earlier about um, the meet next week at the Hog and the Four Quarters Bar, uh, a bunch of our mates are turning up. I know Davo's come in. Uh, hopefully Roger's going. We're going to meet Alex in the, in the evening. I think uh, Phil Nez for Life's come in. Mr. PPP. Who else is going to Sarge is coming. He's making an appearance. So it's actually nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. So if you're going to be lying on my floor, I think you might be able to get on the the, uh, the sofa. You have to have a fight for that. Make sure you bring some foamy to lie and bring some blankies. Because I'm not providing them. <laughs> blankies. I might not even turn the heating on overnight. So you'll freeze to death. Well, I don't mind sharing if someone likes anyone likes spooning out there. Oh no! Stop. A nice, a nice spoon. <laughs> no, we're joking. Right, we've oh, got no. some feedback from Evil Otto. Evil, evil Otto. Evil Otto. And in between electrocuting himself on his Phoenix monitor, Dave, you stop electrocuting yourself. It's not good. Um, it's on a monitor. It really no. is. Believe me. He's been playing Vulgus, oh, and good. he's now put. I'm on the hunt for a Vulgus PCB. It's an ace game. Great podcast as always, guys. Amazing work. You should be able to get a Vulgus quite cheap. I, I don't remember mine costing very much money at all. So hopefully you'll get hold oh. of one of them. It's a, it's a great game. I love it. It is good, isn't it? We'll be playing that live just, when you come over, mate. Yeah, just the high scores went a bit wrong. But apart from that, it's a really good no, game. No, they didn't. <laughs> 70 uh, bought a cheap Sega USB controller for MAME and he's playing Volgus with that. And he reckons, I prefer the feel of this game with that USB controller rather than in a cab with a joystick. Weird, he's put. Yeah, I think he's have a talk to himself. It's always better on a cab. Smart with you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, Darth Nuno. Yeah, that's Bruno from the Dragon's Lair Fans Forum. Another great one, guys. Um, what a surprise to, during the show to hear a short sample of a very obscure game called Scrambled Egg. I thought I was the only one to play it. Yeah, you, you obviously uh, listen to the, the music we put in between, 
and he worked out what game it was. So well done for that. That's a bit of an obscure thing to find out, actually. Mm, he said, how would you choose the samples? Is it random, or are they coming from your favourite games? Absolutely random. Uh, ah. Apart from this week, I'm going to use some slightly easy ones for the competition so people can actually get them. Yeah. Anyway, this one deserves special attention. Maybe you can cover it in a future podcast. It's such a great game. Not very appealing at first sight, but incredibly fun to play. I think I did have a look at this when we yeah, were doing eyes. Around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no quarter covered it a while back, uh, and I think it was right. one put to me by Hitesh, a friend of the show. I think he wanted us to cover it as well. Maybe one day in the future. It's an odd little game, really odd, but fun. Really weird, but quite fun. Yeah, it's like kicking eggs around the screen and having eyeballs follow you. It's weird. I think you throw your eyes out as well. It's a weird game. <laughs> God, we'll yeah. have to add it to the uh, we'll have to add it to the viewer list. I think we? it's already on there, mate. Actually, is it? Oh, lovely. Oh, is another one. Um, um, I'll do this one. Uh, Vip via Twitter. Our mate Ben, who uh, he says Vic beat Sean in the latest podcast. Unexpected is Sean is a shooter <laughs> legend. Or was that Legend? I don't know. Yeah. Great show, guys. I sent him a controller, because I sent him MAME on a hard drive a little while back, because he wanted to play some MAME games, he didn't have it. Uh, and it's a lot easier to get someone to send it to, because there's so many files, it's unreal. And uh, I sent him an old controller I, I made, actually made it. I think there's a, there's a Sanwar LS32 stick in there, and Sanwar buttons. And I made this thing a while back, and it's an aluminium top, and it's like a f- weird fibre thing I machined out at work. I actually made the whole lot. And it's got um, a USB, uh, I think it's a Mad Cat's wired uh, Xbox 360 controller, which you can use on a PC as well. So I sent that to him, and I, I yeah. talked to him on Skype and got him to, to you know, initialise the, the joystick and got it working with MAME. And when I was talking to him, I could hear him just pressing buttons, going, oh, wow, I'm playing Bulgus. All right, I'll leave you <laughs> off, you go and play. And I think he stopped playing since. So uh, hopefully, another sort of reason why I obviously sent it to him because I thought he'd need one, is hopefully he can do some little mini-reviews for some of the games for us as well. It'd be nice, because he does mini-reviews on other podcasts, on Intellivisionaries and Retro Obscura. So oh, we'll get a third yeah. opinion going, I think. It'd be quite nice. Hopefully get him to oh. join us for a little bit, I, I think, as well. And the last bit of feedback, Etienne MacGyver is, is saying, we were talking about Walter White because um, you, I look like Walter White. Yeah, and somebody didn't know who he was. Is it you who didn't know who Walter White was? I knew who he was, no, but I'm not too sure about the, the programme. I never really watched it. Ah, uh, it's just but Google Heisenberg and download the complete series on Netflix and search for Breaking Bad and start watching one of the best series ever made. Yeah, it's highly regarded, but I can't be bothered. I'm not a big TV guy, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, well... I understand well, it's I'm... good, though. My, my wife loves it. She watched them all, and you like it, don't you? You like the, the new one. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've not received um, any royalties, though, at all. That's yet. terrible. You should be a million for that. I know, I should be, yeah, because I think they might have copied me, kind of. Anyway, let's do yes. some shout-outs. Uh, definitely for Ol, for getting Cosmic Jeff from France and, and sorting all that out for me. He made it ever so easy. He said, give me some money. I gave him some money, and it worked out, and it arrived. And he, he saved it. He looked after it for me for a couple of weeks. And for showing me around all his storage units, which I'll hopefully get on with him next week, and we'll talk about that. He showed me some amazing things. I'm really cool. Also, a little shout-out to his son, Max. He showed me his Hot Wheels yeah. collection. Hi, Max. He's four, you know. <laughs> and also, also Sarge for sending me that GoTech drive and helping him out with this Amiga 600. He's been really good with it. 
Anything right, I'm going to give a shout out. Go, sorry, I am going to give a shout out to the Pixelless guys that's uh, starting for real tomorrow. So best of luck to them. I hope it's a big success, and it's really good bringing the retro game feeling into Blackburn Town Centre. Absolutely, ooh, lusty pixels, ooh. Yeah, so good luck to them. I think uh, Alex is the guy that's running more of it. I think the guy called Alex. So good luck to him. Yeah, well done to anyone doing these shows. It must be a lot of work, but. They give a lot of pleasure to a lot of people. So please keep yeah. Love those kind of things. Yeah. Okay. Let's do now what console stroke computer games should have been in the arcade. Right. Rather than us playing loads of games and picking one and asking other people to, I've put a few emails out to podcast friends. I know a few guys who do podcasts in America. And, you know, I've put out to a few of them. They do various console computer arcade stuff. And I've put um, a little ask out to say, what games do you think? You know, from your specific ones you do, like Intellivisionaries and Atari Antique Guys and all this sort of stuff. And I'm going to be doing a few of those over the next couple of weeks. And the first one, uh, this is Aaron, who's a friend of mine from Retro Obscura. And he gave me a long list of stuff. He loves this um, part of our podcast, apparently. And the one, the first one I'm going to do from him is TXK on the PlayStation Vita. Now, this is a game from Llamasoft, and it looks like a version of Tempest on acid. And yes. it also, it's crossed with another of Llamasoft's new iOS games called Gridrunner. It looks like Tempest and Gridrunner put together, and it almost looks like uh, a vector game, but it moves around, and it's really trippy. Oh, it's it's mad and it, it's it's very like Tempest, but it sort of it wobbles around and moves around. And I think, yeah. as far as I know, it's only on PS Vita. But with the PS Vita, you can if you've got a a, is it a PlayStation TV little add on, you can project right. it to the TV and play it on a TV. I think this is how how Aaron plays it. But he he reckons it's absolutely brilliant, and he also says that they're over the top color colourful, trippy, and the sound is amazing on them. And I think the games are really, really quick, and they get your senses going, and loads and loads of fun. But I thought I'd played this on the um, Oculus Rift, you know. It might be coming on that, but I think at the moment it's only available on, on PlayStation Vita. I'm not sure if you've got to do something, because on the PlayStation Vita, as far as I know, you can control the game with the back of the, the machines, where you can move your fingers, it's got a touchpad at the back. Yeah. Maybe it's something to do with the controls, I don't know. I'd like to play it. If anyone's got a PS Vita, let me have a go of it, please. I haven't got one. Uh, but yeah, it looks a really cool game. But I particularly like the comments that fly out you when you're doing good things. This is like awesome and little things come and jump at you when you're doing it. Rather like Gridrunner, actually. Things come out when you're playing a game. Um, yeah, I think I played that one back at uh, Play Blackpool, uh, not Play Blackpool, Play Manchester last year. It, yeah. I think it was TXK. It was some kind of, or some variant of it on the Oculus Rift on Jeff Minter's stand. Yeah, I've yeah, got was... a feeling that Jeff is doing stuff for the Oculus Rift. When he tweets, he says a lot about it. So yeah, it quite possibly would be that. And I think that'd be, that'd be crazy, having it right on your eyeballs. And when you look around, all these things are going on, it'd be an amazing game. Mega. Yeah, yeah. The other one I did is from Kevin Savitz, who I actually met in America. He's a really nice guy. He's from the Antic Atari 8-Bit podcast. And he says, on the Atari side of things, I think Zeppelin could have made an amazing arcade and could have been simultaneous multiplayer at that. Maybe two dual joysticks like Karate Champ versus Cabs. I mean, you've got the two joysticks each. You've got four joysticks on the cab. Yeah. I had a look at this game. I've never heard of it before. And I've got an Atari 8-Bit and I had one when I was a kid. I never saw this game or heard of it. I'm not sure if it's a later release. 
but it looks like a cross between Scramble, Vanguard, and Crazy Balloon. And also maybe bits of the home computer game Thrust, which was like a Lunar Lander in the arcade. You're a little yeah. Zeppelin, you know, a blimp. And you travel yeah. through these caverns and there's stuff shooting at you. You'd rather like Scramble. But you can shoot up, down, left, and right. It's, it's a yeah. cross between lots of games together, which like, it really appeals to me because I like all of those games. And all in the same game. I'll have to get it on the Atari. I haven't got it yet because I've had my Atari out for a while. But I might get hold of that and play it on my... Uh, I've got one of those EverDrive type of things on there. So I can just download ROMs and put them on there. I so, did have it for the um, Commodore 64. Did you really? Was it released in this country then? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't, I'm not sure how I got hold of it. I think oh, it might cool. have been by nefarious means. Yes. But, yes, but it, you, you go through a cavern, I think. Yeah, that's, just, that's uh, the thing. Yeah, I looked at, I looked at a video and I thought, this looks really good. I have to get hold of this. But that would make an awesome uh, cavern, I think. Because if you had the two sticks, rather like a Robotron thing, you know, a twin stick shoot where you move with the left and shoot with the right, and you could have two players on the screen at the same time co-op, and he had two joysticks next to you. That'd be brilliant. I really like that. It's mm. a cool idea. Yeah. And you got one from Bensonrad as well. You want to do that one? Yeah, he's saying Xenon by the Bitmap Brothers. He's not sure if it's been mentioned before, nor am I, actually. Uh, uh, Xenon 2. I think Xenon wasn't quite as good. But Xenon 2 was a really awesome game at the time. It was groundbreaking when it came out. I remember that. Because you could yeah, get some going... really mega power-ups. Can you? I think there was one power-up that didn't last very long. When you were the, the 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 width of the whole screen, and you just had amazing firepower for like ten seconds or something, I remember oh, that I back remember. in the day. It's a long time since I played it, but I will be playing that soon on that Amica. Yeah, he's saying how good the side art would be. Yes, should be. Or there's a lot. There's a lot you could do with that. I think, isn't there? Yeah, the game box art was really nice. So yeah, it would go on there yeah. as well. I think. Yeah, and the logo is really cool. I like the logo of that. Yeah, nice well, font. Good. You know me in fonts. I like fonts. A lovely font. Lovely font. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty good. We've had a few of them. And there will be more of those from other podcasters. So that's pretty cool. Mm. Okay, we've been going for an over an hour now, mate. Let's have a nice musical interlude. And this is one I chose for a change. And I think you'd like it. It's Hellfire from Toa Plan. The Mighty Toa Plan. The Mighty Toa Plan.
Okay, I really like that tune. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing some of these Tower Plan games, actually. I'll be able to listen, because the music on them are quite good, aren't they? Yeah, the music's great. Um, on most of them, actually, the music's good. Yeah, you've sent me a list of Tower Plan games for me to check out before you do the uh, the podcast, the special. So I, w- I will have a good play of those and write some notes down, my little opinions on whatever yep. they're worth. Okay, yeah. let's get on to do our featured game review. This game is Marching Maze. Also known as Alice in Wonderland, or is it? This game was released by Namco in 1988 on System 1 hardware. Other System 1 games to note are Pac-Mania, Gallagher EA, and Splatterhouse, which are pretty cool games, and they go for good money, these PCBs. Yeah. This PCB is a two-layer board, same as the other ones, and it's got three, yes, three, three? 3809 CPUs. And it's got mm, some sound hardware. I oh, know. It's got eight-channel sound, apparently. Which is, I mean, the music on Pac-Man is awesome. I really like the tune on that. Yeah. It uses an eight-way joystick, and it has to be an eight-way. You've got to be able to do the, the diagonals and the up-down left-rights on this. You've got to be able to do them. When I first played this, my joystick on my PC, which I sometimes play on, was set to four-way, and you just cannot play it. You can't get up the, up the, the screen very well. No. And you've got two buttons, jump and shoot. And to shoot, you shoot like a bubbly pea shooter. This is the only way I can describe it. And the Marching Maze is a Japanese ROM set. And Alice in Wonderland is apparently, and I say apparently in inverted commas, is a US ROM set. Uh, I tried to get hold of a US ROM set for us to play because thinking, my thinking was it would be a bit easier than the Japanese version because the Japanese version ROMs are usually set to a harder level because the Japanese are basically better players than we are. <laughs> but I couldn't find them. And I put a call out on UK VAC forums saying, oh, because on forums you're not usually allowed to ask for ROMs. It's a bit of a grey area with the copyrights and stuff. And I said, yeah. does anyone know where I can get them? And I said, you know, if this is a bit funny, take it off. Please ignore it. Sorry, I didn't mean to cause any problems. But rather than saying, oh, you can't do that, we've deleted your post, people said, there isn't any. Oh, hold on a minute. And apparently they're unobtainium. You cannot get them. And some people were actually saying it may not have ever come out the American version. Ah. Which makes sense, because in my research to this game, it always calls the game March in Maze. And it says that the American version was planned but never released. And I've never seen a ROM for it, and I've never seen an arcade flyer for it, or anything to do with the American version. So I presume it never came out. If right. anyone knows different, please get in contact with. I'd like to know what's going on with that. So we've been playing Marching Maze, a Japanese version. Now the type of game, it's it's an isometric themed game, like a forty-five degree angled game, and it's similar, sort of, to me, to Marvel Madness. Did you think that when you were playing it, the way the levels are laid out? Not really. <laughs> Not really. Yes, it is. How dare you? But Marvel Madness is like huge levels where you're swooping levels this is all kind of on one flat plane isn't it but you've got to jump on the platforms yeah but the thing that reminded me of Marvel Madness is that the main reason you get killed in this game is when your little girl Alice gets knocked off of the level because your level's sort of in mid-air 
Yeah. It reminds you of the bonus levels on uh, Mario Sunshine when you do the bonus levels and you sort of float in the midair on the platform and if you fall off the end, you die. Yeah. And so it reminds, and, and if you get your marble knocked off a Marble Madness off the edge of the platform, you die as well. So it sort of reminded me of that in my twisted way of thinking. You'll get well, used yeah. to my twisted way of thinking. <laughs> but there is marbles in it, I suppose, and it is a bit mad. Yeah, see? You get in there, mate. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Anyway, it reminds me of a few different games like that. But you play a little girl, Alice, in Wonderland, oddly enough, and you're armed with a pea shooter. And I only found this out after playing a few games of it. If you hold the button down, you blow a great big bubble and release the bubble, and it's more powerful. And I'm yeah. glad I found that, because I wouldn't have got as far in the game as I did without knowing that. One of these things where you should read the instructions first. So I oh, well, there isn't any. That's the thing, is it? Well, yeah, I actually, I think I read it on Clove or somewhere I was reading about it, and it did tell me about having to do that. And I went, oh, hold on a minute, I'll try that. And I actually sent Ben, Vip, because he said he's been playing it, and he couldn't, couldn't kill the baddie on the first level, the big boss at the end. And I said, yeah. hold your button down, try and stay in the middle of the screen. That's the best sort of hints I could give him. I think he did it in the end. Yeah. <laughs> but what you've got to do is you go from sort of, because it's on an angle, you go from bottom left and you're sort of travelling up to the top right on that angle. And the platforms sort of, um, they split a little bit, there's moving parts, there's a bit to jump over, and there's baddies coming at you. And the baddies fire, as far as I know, only marbles. They roll at your feet and you can jump over the marbles. But if you get hit by one of the marbles, it knocks you back. So if you get hit and it knocks you off the platform, you die, you lose a life, you fall off the edge, which is very yeah. irritating. I don't like flopping off a, a level, I really don't. And there's some parts of it where you, you have little <laughs> breaks in it, you have moving columns, you've got to jump on the columns, a bit of jumping going on platforming. And the bad guys, of yeah. they're the usual kind of thing, but they've got the Alice in Wonderland tie-in going on. I don't think it's an official license to Alice in Wonderland, it's sort of a, a homage to it, I suppose, or they couldn't get the license and just nicked it anyway. But there's, there's playing cards, mm. there's smoking mushrooms, I don't know what that's about, and funny little robots, there's penguins on beach balls going on, all sorts of weird and wonderful things, all sort of odd, trippy, Alice in Wonderland type things. But the only projectiles I've seen yeah. fiery with the coloured balls, I didn't see anything else. I think with the bosses, they throw out little versions of themselves to hit you, but I didn't do many bosses. Yeah, the witch does, doesn't she? throws that little tiny witches at you. And they do exactly the same as the balls. They knock you backwards quite a few paces. So if you're near the edge, you'll get knocked off the edge. Um, there's yeah. little bonuses in there as well. You shoot um, these blue little present boxes and they reveal goodies. These include, include balloons. There's a white rabbit, you know, the Alice in Wonderland thing again, and different coloured balls. Uh, what are the, the different coloured balls? Do? I didn't actually work out what they did. Do you know what they did? Well, you can get... A three-way shot. Oh, okay. You can get the the big shot so you don't have to power up your pea shooter. Yeah, I saw that one. I didn't see the three-way shots, though. Do you know in the cutscene when you start in and she's got the pea shooter in her mouth? Yeah. I thought it was a cigarette. The <laughs> <laughs> sort of a condoning underage smoking so for little girls. Alice doing smoking a cigarette? That's yeah. wrong. The mushrooms do that, obviously. Yeah. Uh, they also give you a bigger jump. There's a larger jump that oh, I okay. never got, but That'd I actually... Handy, I think. Um, I put it on cheats and played all the way through just Ooh, to see all the levels. Just to see the levels, you mm, know. I can't let you off. And it does get incredibly hard later on. No, no wonder we got nowhere near the end of it. Yeah. It says that you got 7,000 points on one of the bonuses. You get bonus points for some of the, the, the power-ups as well? Yeah. 
I never noticed that. I think it's the red orbs give you just points. Okay. And normally you get 500. Sometimes I was noticing 2,000, 4,000. And then yeah. the other day, I got 7,000. Is it an accumulative uh, thing, do you think? The more you get, the more bonuses you get, like Volgus. I don't know, but I had, at the time, I had them white rabbits. The white rabbits are like a shield that spin around you for, say, about yes, 30 Yes, that's seconds. a really good one, because on level two, I noticed, there's a thing where you get an army of baddies come at you. And yeah. the best thing to do is get the white rabbit and just shoot through the whole lot, and you just take them out, left, right, and centre. They just, they're just falling about the place. It's easy to get through there. Well, the balloons are the most useful, I think, because if yeah. you fall off a level, uh, there's oh, like a... that's what for. I thought I'd actually lost a life... And it was bringing me back on. So the balloons float you back up, you get another chance. Yeah, as long oh, as you've got a balloon, brilliant. you've got like a, an extra chance at the level. Yeah. You may have noticed I didn't have much time on this game. I'm learning things as we're speaking about it. <laughs> That's good I was playing Space Area too much, but I did play this a bit. Yeah, I didn't play it very much. I didn't have a lot of time, actually, to be honest with you. So that's uh, my excuse for my story. Oh, good one. That's a anyway, good one. there were nine levels to travel to. And I did read that the last three or four levels were basically a last-minute add-on. And they're just the first few levels in reverse. Right. So they cheat a little bit there. But there's nine levels. And you travel yeah. to these via a little cutscene at the start, via mirrors. You sort of jump into the mirror, which is another Alice in Wonderland thing. Yeah. And as I said before, there's a few things that get in your way, apart from the baddies firing these little sort of um, marbles at you. There's also uh, things, they have like these rolling things which knock you back. You've got to jump over. And you get moving walls going that cut between up and down. So you've got to jump over the walls. Oh, they're tricky. If you don't jump them right, you bounce off them, don't you? I didn't have a problem with that. I jumped over. I didn't think oh. I ever bounced off one. I did. It must have been a bit of a fluke. I just managed to jump them, not problem at all. I was bouncing off them and then falling off the platforms. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, it's quite a simple game, really. You go from left to right, uh, avoiding stuff, jumping over a few things, shooting a few baddies, and there's certain ones where as you come towards them, there's like these skulls. Skullingtons, and as you, as you get yeah. near them, they explode, and a load of marbles fly at you, and you've got to jump them because you usually get knocked off the edge when that happens. Yeah, um, or you can shoot them. You can shoot them, yeah, but they still fire the things out. But then when you shoot them, you can control when the balls come out, so you can jump yeah. them. So you shoot and then jump afterwards. But if you just let them do it yourself, it's a bit of a shock when you realize there's like 10 balls coming towards you. Mm. So that's basically the game. Left to right, you get to the end, there's a big arena with no baddies apart from the big boss. And a big boss flies around like a maniac, knocking you around. It doesn't kill you if it knocks you, but it does knock you quite away. And if you're near an edge, you're going to get knocked over the edge. And they fire out little versions of themselves. Uh, I can't remember what level two did now, but level one fires these little witches at you, because it's a big witch. But if you hit the witch a few times with a big powered-up balloon, it kills her off quite quick. It's quite easy to do that one, I found. I just used a lot of little shots on the witch. I found oh, that easier. You? Yeah. Okay. I did that at first, and I found the bigger shots was quicker. Ah, yeah. If if you get hit, you get stunned, don't you? So, yeah, you so sort of get knocked say, back a bit. And if you were blowing a big balloon, it disappeared. You've got to start blowing it again. So you can't shoot and you can't move for, say, a second. So that's yeah. the time. If you get hit by, say, three marbles or balls in a row, you get knocked off. Yeah. What I try to do is try and get back in the middle straight away rather than getting too near. If you get too near the edge and get hit again, you're off the end. You are. You can't actually run off the ledges. This is something I found. Yeah, that's quite a, that's quite a good point, that, actually. Which does make it easier. You wouldn't want to do that, would yeah. you? If you were travelling along the line, you wouldn't want to flop yourself off the edge. You only get knocked off by a baddie. Yeah. So you can't actually run off the edge by your own stupidity. 
Yeah, you can jump off, which happens a lot because you misjudge the jumps onto the moving platform. Yeah, I did that a lot. I did yeah. that a lot. Because it's an isometric thing. Uh, I, I sort of misjudge whether it's that Zaxxon thing where you misjudge your height because you're on a funny angle, which is not, it doesn't, it's not quite with your eyes. And I tended to miss things when I thought, I made that jump and it obviously was nowhere near. Yeah. And I noticed that a lot of, of old 8 bit perspective games, there was a game called. Batman, there's one called Head of a Heels, they used to have a problem with. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bobby Bearing on the Spectrum, that's an isometric thing. And they used to have problems trying to find jumps. Because you think you jump into a level and it's, it's different because your eyes can't focus on it properly. Yeah. So I, had a, I fell off a lot doing, when there's a moving platform, you had to jump on the moving platform and then onto a, a standard platform. I found that a lot, a heck of a lot. My favourite one of those ever, I didn't really like them, but there was one on the snares called Equinox. Oh yeah, I never heard of that one. It was a sequel to a NES game called Solstice, and and that oh, I was Solstice. Yeah, I remember that one. It's a good game. It was brilliant, a really good, massive game, huge, huge levels, and very okay. good soundtrack as well. I think. Cool. Anyway, yeah, um, the little little guy in the bottom right of the screen is like the Mad Hatter. He comes out with like a a watch, and it's a timer. Oh, is that what it is? Because the, the text is in Japanese. Yeah. Obviously, the numbers are normal Roman numbers, and they didn't realise what it was. So you actually timed on the levels. Yeah, it gives you 180 oh. seconds, which is three minutes. Uh, if you if you didn't if you didn't know that, <laughs> um, yes. if you die, it, it resets, so you're all right, really. But if you run out of time, which I did do a couple of times, oh, okay, you get this massive. It looks like a sun with little suns around the outside of him, a big sort of orangey yellow thing, Ooh, and it homes in on you really quick, and you're dead. I and never then, saw that. I, I didn't have a problem doing the levels. I, I just rushed towards the end of the level, just knocking things at me. Well, I didn't hang around. I think that's the idea, and it rushes quick yeah, as you yeah. can, and you get bonus points for the time remaining, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So I think I learned. I didn't know that. It's pretty obvious, though. Normally with arcade games where you've got to do a level and you're timed, you usually there is a Mr. Hurry Up going on at the end, like in Bubble Bubble when Baron Von Blubber comes out and tries to chase you away. Yeah. Obviously not whenever you're hanging around in arcades too long. I want you off and have someone else on there putting their 10Ps in. Get some money in, yeah. So the game was colourful, I think, and triply creepy. Yes. Like you'd, like you'd expect out of an Alice in Wonderland game, I think. The sprites are quite nice looking. Your little girl's quite well animated. The baddies are quite fun, but a lot of the same baddies. They're not a great variety of them, I thought. Yeah. I did like the big sprites in the level. The bosses are massive, really big. They're good, aren't they? Yeah. And they run around quite... I think that hardware, that System 1 hardware, was quite advanced for its time with those three processors. Because I remember in Pac-Mania, that's all 3D, and that's really, really smooth on the arcade version. I think Splatterhouse is pretty cool as well. You, you do get some slowdown, actually. Oh, did um, you notice some slowdown? Oh, is that yeah. all the big bits? Oh, actually, yeah. level two, now you mentioned on level two, when you get the big army of guys coming towards you, it did slow down a bit there. So there's so many characters on screen, but that's a lot of characters. There must be about 40 characters moving around on screen there. Blimey. Yeah, there's a lot. Plus bullets and everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I also noticed some of the backgrounds were quite nice. If you, I, I didn't really notice until I, I started stopping and looking at the game because I was too busy trying to do the game. There's some background. Where your platform, the play level is, in the background, there's some quite good backgrounds. I did notice some um, Salvador Dali multi-clocks going on in the background. Yeah. Which I bet weren't licensed either. Ooh. Melty clocks. Melty clocks. <laughs> uh, but I did, on the, the 
little minus side of the game. I did notice the game was very samey. You just did the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I only I didn't look at a video of the whole game being played through. I, I didn't have time to do it. I was going to do it. But I, I believe, you might be able to prove me wrong, it just goes from left to right all the time with different platforms and different things to jump over. It doesn't change from right to left or top right to bottom left. You're not going in different directions, are you? No. And later on, as well as the things on the platforms, you've got these really fast, they look like dragonflies that, that okay. zoom over the top of the levels incredibly fast. You've just, you just got to shoot in their general direction and hope that you kill them. Or do they knock you off then if they hit you, I suppose? Yeah, you've got them oh, and you've got all, all sorts of things. It gets quite full of, of bad guys. Okay. And the final baddie, I think, is the Queen of Hearts. Yes, that's not surprising, is it? Yeah, or, or there's there's one that is... I'm trying to think of the order I did them in. There's one that's like three heads appear, massive heads, yeah. and only one of them you can shoot. And the you other sure two this are, wasn't a dream? Sure. And the other two are decoys. Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't. The other two are decoys. Oh, clever. You've got to get them about three times, and this is where your time runs down. Oh, I see, yeah, trying to get the right one all the time. And because yeah. they're so fast, you don't realise what the real one is. Yeah. Ah. I, I didn't do that here, in normal gameplay, though. I did it in, like, uh, cheating gameplay. Cheating mode. Yes. It says here some of the boxes are booby-trapped. I didn't come across any of those. Yeah, well, I, I didn't in normal play, but in cheaty mode again. Oh, on the harder levels, I get it, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you shoot the boxes and these weird snaky things come out and attach themselves to you. Sneaks. Yeah, and it, they're very hard to shake off. Oh, right. Yeah, not good. So what happens at the end of the game, then? You saw the end of the game, I suppose, because you were a cheating person. Yeah, there was a a, a bit of a cut scene, sort of a, a thank you for playing, Yeah, and, and that was it. Oh. Yeah. Well, you, I'm not playing that again. <laughs> Sod that. Yeah, so an, an average game, I think. Yeah, it, it, I like the graphics. I thought they were quite stylish, and the, the animations yeah. I thought were good. Mm-hmm. But I can't see me playing it again because of the frustration factor. No, me neither. I don't like getting knocked off of levels and keep getting knocked about. It's like mm. those games I used to play, I remember when I was a kid playing on console and computer games, where if you're having a fight with someone and they hit you once and you get stunned, and they keep hitting you, you can't fight back, and you end up losing lots of life. I remember the yeah. Renegade was like that on the Spectrum a bit. When they started ganging up on you and holding on to you and beating you up, you couldn't just shake free and have a go back, however much you pounded those buttons. And it used to really frustrate me. You, just, you might as well just let go of the keyboard or the joystick and just go, right, that's me dead. Yeah. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll work for the next life. So it was a bit of a pain doing that. I like a game where you, you've got a bit of, where you can use a bit of skill, or maybe even a bit of luck, to get back in the game rather than just getting duffed up or, or shot to death. So it, it, it did, I find it a bit like that. And I don't like being knocked off things because you feel helpless <laughs> when you fall off. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like in Cuba, you don't get knocked off of the level. When you jump off yourself, you oh, for God's sake, why did I do that? Yeah. And you realise and you hear this bonk. And you think, oh, it, just, it does bug you a bit, but you learn not to do it. But when you're being made to fall off, you can't do anything about it. I tell you what was good though. Mm-hmm. When you finished the game, um, Which you, you didn't, put, you liar. Well, when you when you died and you got a high score, you put your name in the high score table, and then there was another little screen, and there was this big cake, and then this this icing was written on the top saying "thank you," like "thank I you like, for playing." I like that as well. I thought it was quite cute actually. Yeah, I like cake, and I like the way they said "thank you for playing." So it's a double double whammy that, and it's nice. At. I also like cake. Uh, cake I love is good. I love cake. 
I'll tell you what, I might ask Waff to make some cake for you coming down. Oh, that chocolate one, yeah. Yeah, she's good at cakes. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. We'll talk about that later on. Yeah, I'll p- tell her I'll pay her money. Anyway, let's talk about the cabinet art. Money for cake. No, don't, don't move on yet. Money for cake, please. Okay, cake, cake I will ask about. I will inquire about cake. Thank you very much. Now, can we talk about cabinet art? Uh, yeah, go on then. Not really, because there wasn't any, was there? No, nothing, no. I think this game... I got a feeling it had it had US and UK releases. I never saw it in the arcade as a kid. But um, Rob O'Hara, who runs the Throwback Network, yeah. actually talked about this on one of the recent um, arcade drafts on No Quarter. It was one of his favourite games, and it, it spurred me on to do this game. Uh, also, thanks to Rob for featuring us on that brilliant network of other cool podcasts. And he does a lot for the, the podcasting people as well. He does some really cool podcasts of his own. Yeah. I've recently been listening to Sprite Castle, which is a Commodore 64 one, which is really, really good. And he he said uh, the American version was called it, and I presumed he'd played the American version, but I don't think he could have done He must have played Marching Maze. I'd like to hear from him if he did, actually. It's quite interesting to know about that, get that version of the game. Yeah. And there was... I presume it was a kit only because there's no cabinets of it. I think the only cabinets that came out with that hardware were Gallagher 88 and Pac-Mania. And mm. I know Pac-Mania came out because I had a cabinet of it. It was a really nice cabinet. Yeah. And the Gallagher 88 is exactly the same shape cabinet with different artwork on the side. It's a black cabinet rather than a white one that's got a different picture on the side and different control panel. But yeah, nice cabinets. And my Atari Pac-Mania was really cool. Wish I hadn't got rid of it, actually. Did you, is that a game you liked? It's one I never really got into. Oh, Pac-Mania is brilliant. I really like Pac-Mania. I like it better than Pac-Man. He's got 3D a, and you've got a jump button as well. That's it. Yeah, you've got a jump button. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, as far as I remember, it's not that well emulated in main because I think it's a bit jerky. It's playable, very playable, but it's a bit jerky. Right. I know the differences because I actually had the game and I could see the differences in it. But it's a really cool game, Pac-Mania. You don't need to know patterns for the game. It's a proper game. And, and unlike Pac-Man, which I think is a bit unfair, and also due to my skill in Pac-Man, is when you get cornered by the ghost, you've had it. You've got, got nowhere to run. They just get you from both sides. In Pac-Mania, yeah. you can jump over them. Yeah. <laughs> but later on, they start jumping as well. It's a really And the music is great, and it? it's really jolly oh. by that game. We'll have to do that one day, you know, mate. Yeah. We should do Pac-Mania one day. We'll put that on the list. Another one for the list. Yeah, so that ca- those cabinets were for those games, and I, I never saw Marching Maze in one. So I don't think it ever came out on a cabinet. I can't find a picture of it. The mm. flyer art is really nice, very Japanesey. We've got a link to that on the show notes, which is really cool. Yeah, but I couldn't find any cabinet artware or any anyone who's actually made a cabinet of the, their own and done their own artwork for it. Not so, maybe it wasn't that popular. I don't know. Mm. And the flyer doesn't show any pictures of cabinets either. But... Yeah. The, the flyer does have artwork of Alice having little red stumpy things as feet. Yes, a bit strange. Like at all, just little nubs. <laughs> Old Alice nubby feet, I call her. <laughs> so there were some ports of it, and it was ported to Japanese systems, no surprise. A PC Engine had a version of it, and a Sharp X68000 computer. But it later came out on the Wii Virtual Console. Right. Which I think is pretty good for the Wii. The Wii had a lot of these games, PC Engine, and I think a lot of the old consoles, they, you could download the games for quite cheap and play them with the the Wii controller on its side, like a classic controller. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty good for that sort of thing. Right then, scoring. Shall we do some scores? 
Yes, the yes. Twin but... Galaxies world record is 414,600. It's not a massive high-scoring game, is it? Um, no, but that is a good score for this game. Yeah, and that was in 2012. And we've yeah. also got um, a score from one of our listeners. Lezolale, yep. 70. He got 48,440 points. He reckons it's a nice yep. little game, one to tick off the list, but will never play it again, just like us. Yeah, so what did you get, Vic? What's your score? Poor, poor actually, because I didn't have that much goes on it. 47,950. 47,950? Yes, and I got to the second boss. I'm sure you've beaten me. Uh, I got, are you ready? Four zillion. <laughs> 137,310. Oh, oh, that's just wrong, yeah. man. Well, what level did you, know, you get to? Five. Level five? Wow, you really went for yeah. it. Yeah, well, I, I, what I did, I f- um, this is not cheating, this is practice. I, I, froze, I froze level three and kept practicing level three till I could do it. That's cheating. Be- because there's them spinny bits that, that keep knocking you off the levels. I didn't so see one, level once I got to a stage where I could beat that without dying, I went back to the start, went straight through level three, mm. and then I just kept going. And in one go, I got through level four and to level five. Null and void. You, sir... Or a cheat, sir. That's not practicing, oh, no. that's cheating. You in one guy from the list. Stuck from the guy, list, I, I got 137,310. Yes, in my face, yes. Hey, Vic, you see that score? Mm-hmm. You see your face? Mm-hmm. In your face, Vic. Right in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about that. I, I actually <laughs> seriously had about... Face. Sorry, come. Are you finished? Yeah, uh, no. I, I had, I mean, I think I had five goes. In the game, because I didn't have a lot of time oh, to play on it. Oh, no, I had loads. But even if I had more time to play on it, I don't think I'd play that much, because it didn't really appeal to me that much. I think it was okay, average, but very samey. Did, did, did the levels change up to level five? Was it still left to right, all the way along, get a baddie at the end, big baddie at the end, is that it? Yeah, the, the baddies are, are good. They're worth sort of going through to see. And some of the bad guys, the mini bad guys, did change. You know, you oh, okay, have to get over... You get the guys like the playing cards. You don't see them in earlier levels, but you get them coming at you in later levels. Oh, yeah. Nice to see the Alice theme going on. Yeah. Cool. All right, then. That's that over with. We won't be playing that again. (laughs) No. Let's get on and do another one of our regular features, the art of side art. Side art. Right. We've got a bit of a versus going on here because I wanted (laughs) to do another one and you had to do another one. So I'm going to do my one first. All right. Yeah, go on. Now, this is a simple-looking cab. It's a brilliant game, and I should get on to why I like it. The game yeah. in, in mention is Frogger. Now, yeah. the Frogger cabinet is a Sega Gremlin cabinet. It's a very generic-looking cabinet. They use the same shape cabinet for quite a lot of their games. Astro Blaster was in one. Head On was in one. And a few others I can't think of at the moment. But this one is a wood-sided thing. It's a wood-panelled thing. But on the Frogger I'm looking at in front of me, it's got half-height side art, which starts from about waist height and goes up to the top, and it, it, it goes around the, the, the shape of the cabinet, so it's a, a cut-out sticker that goes on the side. And it's yeah. got a really cool, roundy, 80s Frogger font going up the side on an angle. And it's got a picture yeah. of a frog with his suitcase, which I presume is he's got his lunch in, and a little red tie, and he's just, like, jumping. And I really like it, because I like the, it appeals to me, a frog... Going to work in an office with yeah. a suitcase with a red tie on. 
No trousers or anything, just a red tie. And on this is the bit I really like about the game. I mean, the marquee is fairly standard. Frogger on the left-hand side, and a picture of your frog on the right-hand side. But the actual control panel, which has only got a joystick in the middle, it's only an up-down, left-right game like Pac-Man, and it's got two yellow buttons on the front for one-player and two-player start. But the panel is grey, and on the right-hand side, you've got like a tyre tread, like it's been run over. And then oh, as you I go, wondered what that was. As you go past the control panel, looking into the cabinet, the bezel cardboard around the screen has got the, the tyre track continuing along it, so it looks like the cabinet's been run over by a truck, like in the game you get run over. I really like it. Right. And it's a really it's oh. a classic cabinet, and it's a cabinet I'd like to have in my collection. I would like a Frogger, because I really like the game. And I'd like the cabinet. And this is the same cabinet. We must have got these in the UK, because I remember in my tiny mind playing this as a kid <laughs> when we went to the swim baths. It was a certain day of the week we went to swim baths with school, and I used to play this just before we went home. We had a chance, you know, had 10 minutes before we went home. And I used to play it in the swimming baths, little cafeteria type bit. And you said it's a bit bland. How dare you, sir? It doesn't do it for me. But I do actually, now you've said it, I do like the idea of the tyre track going up it's into cool, the bezel. It? Really yeah, like isn't it? it? It's all right. But the actual frog on the side, the background is black. They could have done something more with that, you know, like put put him jumping yeah. off a log or... Yeah, or, or some lily pads. That'd be quite nice. Yeah, you're right there. Yeah. I, I Everyone like likes lily pads, yeah. And logs. Mm, I want... Log! And logs. <laughs> um, right, so... Your one is... is uh, It's a powerhouse of art. Tell me about Lucky and Wild. Lucky and wild. I've picked this really. The art's very good, but also the cab. I remember mm. seeing this and thinking, what the flipping flippity flip is that? Because it had a steering wheel on the left side of the cab. It's a sit-down job. Yes. And two guns on the right-hand side. And it's kind of like Chase HQ with two players, really. Yeah. Yeah, one gets to shoot the weapon, I suppose. One gets to drive the car. Yeah, I think the shooting's more interesting than the driving part. Mm. Um, yeah, just chasing right the lanes, aren't you? Yeah, I think right at the very end, I think right at the very end, you've got a, a lot of steering to dodge, like falling flame logs. Flame logs? Oh, Lord. Flame logs, yeah, logs of flame. Mm-hmm. They might be girders. I'm not sure what they are. Okay. Anyway, yeah. The yeah, really that, nice. Yeah, it's nice and colourful, but the, mm-hmm. the reason I picked it is because it's a very strange cab. It is. Do you know what? I've actually seen one of these in the flesh. I have, they've, yeah. They've I remember seeing one, them, yeah. Uh, Maybe Margate or South... Yeah. I can't remember. But they've got one uh, on the east side of the country, east-southeast. And I saw it. I can't remember what arcade it was in, but I saw it. And I thought, wow, I've never seen one of this before. And it's it's almost... It's a weird little thing. You've got the cabinet, which is quite wide. And it's got sort of three-quarter side art. Really nice, lucky and wild logo and some guys in a car one shooting. And you've got yeah. a big marquee and bits around it. And you've obviously got the steering wheel and that. But the back half of the the cabinet is a sit down bit. You've got like a little seat you sit in with your mate, and on the side of the side of the bit that you sit down at, it's got wheels painted on the side. It's like the side of a car, and on the back yeah. side of it, the wooden panel, it's got the back lights and the number plate with Namco in it, and the back of the seats. It's a really cool little thing. It kind of reminds me of those kiddies um, beds you get that are shaped like a car. You know, the kids sleep in the bed that looks like a car. Reminds me of yeah. that, or a spaceship, or something. That's quite cool. You've got another That's, one here, bloke. Do you want to tell me about yeah, that? 
another strange one. I actually played this. Odd, it's yeah. called it's called Wet Limans. W E C Limans. Wet Limans. And it's the big spin version of the cab. There's like three different versions, a stand-up, a sit-down, and then this one, which is like a round, like you're sitting inside a donut kind of thing. Yeah, it looks like a weird bathtub to me. Yeah, and, and I remember playing when it. when you spin off, you spin round and round 360 degrees. It's actually got a hydraulic spinner in it. It actually moved, yeah. I remember wow. playing it, but I remember thinking it was quite jerky. Um, it wasn't a smooth motion, I remember thinking. Probably broken. As as the you know you turned right and the whole unit shifted, so it was a good wow. feeling to it. But it's like a big round donut that you're sitting inside without obviously the sugar sugar coating. All the sprinkles, yeah. Yeah, all the sprinkles. It's got like a little donuts. wheel painted on the side. It looks like half a a cap. It looks like half a cart's been chopped off and then slapped round a round thing. I never saw <laughs> one of those back in the day. But it does sound interesting because I presume when you spin off the track, it spins you round and round really quickly. That's the idea. No, of I don't think spin, it did. Oh, so I, I just, just think right. it was maybe or, like like a half, maybe half a turn. You went either way. I think. I was all. Oh, I want it to be like a waltzer, so you, mm. people being sick at the side of it. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, yeah. we'll yeah. go on to releases from this month in history. Go for it. Yes, we're going way back. Way back, way back, way back, way back. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Eight, to eight. March 2000. So we're going 15 years ago. One five, one five, and we are looking at Tecmo World Cup Millennium. Okay, there's loads of World Cup games on there. Those footy type things. Yeah, this is the sixth one in a long running series called Tecmo World Cup. Like, I think they started in nine, oh, 89 they started. Yeah. Do you know how many, how many versions they did too many of that game? Uh, six. Yeah. This one looks pretty good, sort of polygon graphics, actually. It's not, not bad graphics. I had one similar to that I used to use as a test board. That's how good football games are. People yeah. Don't I've, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, very few people that are into arcade games that like football games. Yeah, yeah. I think World Cup '90 was the the pinnacle of those games. That's the one everyone seemed to go for. The original yeah. World Cup '90. I think they're like probably pub games, weren't they? Like, but hey, hey, I just did a segue and you missed it. What? I said World Cup '90. Hey, hey. Okay. Ah, talking of 1990, we're going back 25 years, and we've got a, a game called Columns or Columns. Smooth. As Silk. Thanks, Vic. Columns by Sega. Good game. Good game. Yeah. Yeah, they were trying to do the um, Tetris thing. And I think, I don't say it's as good as Tetris, but it's not far off. I think it's pretty damn good. Do you know what? There's two camps. There's the Columns camp and the Tetris camp. And they were Mm. both um, relentlessly copied. A game's either in the vein of Tetris or Columns. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a good one. I like Columns, actually. It's good when you get into it and you learn how to play the game a bit better. It's pretty cool. quite like it. Mm, yeah, it's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Right, and this is the final one, going back to March 1980, 35 years, Space Invaders 2, the Midway Cocktail version. Okay. What was different about that, then? Well, it was a cocktail version, and you could play two players together, couldn't you? Oh, um, the... that one, yeah. So That's a yeah. weird version, isn't it? You can shoot you shoot the other guy at the top or bottom of the screen, depending where you are. And the invaders look slightly different, actually. They don't look like standard invaders. Yeah, the thing with Space Invaders 2 by Midway is different to our one. 
what we got in Europe in the UK, when we got Space Invaders 2, we got two versions of it. There's the mirrored version, like the old original black and white, the black and white monitor in it with the, the gels across the screen. And the game was basically Space Invaders, but you had little different bits. There's a different alien one across the top, and it dropped down aliens sometimes. And at the end of the game, you know when you've got the, the really quickly marching aliens, if you shoot one of the aliens that wasn't the as the last one, wasn't the top one, you got one of the earlier invaders as the last one. You had to time your bullets so it missed the first one and hit the second one. You got yeah. a different ending. You got like, um, it was a firework display of the invaders at the end. I never managed to do it. And there's <laughs> subtle differences. There's another bit later on the levels when you shoot one level and it splits into two, you split the alien into two. So it did subtly change the game. And there was also a different cabinet, which I had with a sloping colour screen without the mirror in it. Because Alex, Chucky Egg, had the, the black and white mirrored version, which was really nice. And years before that, I had the colour version. But in America, the Midway version, not the tighter one we had, the Midway version, the upright, was called Space Invaders Deluxe. And it was the same yes. game, but they only had the black and white version of it. But as you said here, the Space Invaders 2 cocktail one was a totally different beast altogether. Yeah. Never saw that in the flesh, never saw it. There's also another one from March 1980, actually, Taito's Balloon Bomber. Oh, that's a great game. Did you play that at replay? I played it a little bit. You know, I, I always dismissed it as being utter crap. Yeah. But it's not, is it? It's a you right little addictive it. game. Yeah. Yep. It's another one that you can, yeah, it's another one that you can sort of dismiss and then you give it a go and it's, oh, it's good. Yeah, it's a little bit of a tactical thing, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe we should shove that on our list, you know, Balloon Bomber. I'm making. I'm, I'm as we're talking. I'm writing another list. So right here, what have we got on it so you far? Love the lists. I love lists. It's a pity I've got notes everywhere. No, I've lost it. <laughs> I'll have to find it again. Slick, you're getting so good at this, mate. You really are. I am. Anyway, 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 anyway. Let's do the next and final segment. Next show's game and who picked it. Mr. Holly. Yes, I have picked three games. Um, three? Lunar- yeah, three games, and I want you to pick one of them. Oh, okay. This is a sort of and out I- of a hat type thing, out of the Sean Holly arcade hat. Yeah, and I was going to, because our my internet connection is not very fast, our video is off at the moment. Yes, it is. So I, I was going to hold up a, a list, and you was going to have to pick one. I- I'll trust you then. Yeah, so... Or maybe I'll turn right. the video on without you noticing. <laughs> Should we as try well, it? Ain't space it Harrow, don't mind. You've been playing a lot of that lately. You like that game. Well, I've got there's three games. I'd like to play all of them, so you're going to have to choose, right? So you've got Lu- uh, left, middle, and right. Yeah. I've got Lunar, Lunar Rescue. On the left. Oh, no, no, you won't tell me, will you? No, I'm not going to tell you. You've got to, you've, <laughs> oh, I tried to trick you then. You've got to pick number one, two, or three, right? So these are not in order. Lunar yeah. Rescue, yes. Gyrus. Yes. And the Almighty Time Pilot. Oh, the Mighty! I hope it's Time Pilot. Uh, I choose number two, please. Oh, Time Pilot! Yes, I'm holding it up to the camera now, which is not working. Oh, I can't, I can't see that. Well done. Um, I've, I've, ri- I've written one gyrus, two Time Pilot, three Looney Rescue. Cool. Because I just made a sound like I'd won the game then, just by winning <laughs> Time Pilot. 
Uh, you are good at Time Pilot, aren't you? I think we're quite similarly skilled at Time Pilot. Yeah. And I can play this on a proper cabinet because I've got that Konami Classics, and we can play it next week together as well. Oh, that's good. That is good. Excelente. Right, then, yes. let's get out of here and do some other things. All uh, right. We, I will talk to you on Saturday, mate, and we will have a little podcast on Sunday just describing what we did on the Saturday. So that'll be a little extra, point one, maybe. 30, yeah. What number are we on? 33.1, maybe we'll call it? But this know. one is, uh, what's this one? 33, this one. 33. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Forever. So we will get onto that <laughs> and do a little podcast explaining what we did and how we had some fun. Until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. Yes, thanks for listening. Goodbye. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10 You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered.